You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to the 55th episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and updates on Star Wars Episode 7, Star Wars Episode 8, 9, and the standalone films, and all the other awesome, new, and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. I'm your host, Kyle, and as always, I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. And boy, do I have The Force Awakens and Star Wars Celebration on my mind lately, because <laughs> it's all I've been thinking about. And to even... Further to that point is that last weekend I had two nights in a row where I had dreams seeing episode seven footage. And then actually the next night I had a dream where I'm in the theater, got an advanced screen ticket waiting to see the film. But as it went on, the, the, theater, the film didn't start. I was waiting and waiting, sitting in my seat. Nothing was on the screen. And then I realized, ah, it's a dream. <laughs> I'm not going to see The Force Awakens tonight. But needless to say, it's all I've been thinking about. And if it proves anything, Celebration Anaheim just needs to hurry up and get here because that's where we're going to see new footage because uh, I can't wait. Yeah, man, don't you hate that? I'm pretty sure – I don't remember when it was, but I think sometime sort of recently I had a, a similar dream to that where I was watching – I maybe even got to go to an advanced screening of The Force Awakens or something and you're sitting there waiting for it to start and then I mean, maybe even like the title scroll goes up or something like that, but then you wake up before you yeah. actually get to see any of the movie. It's like, oh, I, come on. I didn't even get that far. But this was, well, not the one I had where I was actually in the theater. It felt so real. Like, it was one of those dreams where, like, it didn't, it, you, like, it was like you're really there and you're expecting to see it. But I kept showing trailer after trailer after trailer. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> man, the movie should start by now. And then all of a sudden I hear something, like an announcement say, we're going to show the season finale of Star Wars Rebels first. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this start episode seven is like, that's when you start realizing, oh, no. This may be a dream, and then you wake up. <laughs> Although I have to say, Vader, no, <laughs> it, it would be pretty awesome to see that season finale of Star Wars Rebels in a movie theater. Yeah, it's um, as awesome that as that would be, but still, like when you're expecting to see The Force Awakens, and then it doesn't start. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't help but start getting anxious. Yeah, man, that that was one heck of a season finale, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Oh, yeah. Um, we were planning to spend the bulk of this episode devoted to uh, the season finale of Star Wars Rebels, but then a whole bunch of cool new information about uh, the, the upcoming Star Wars films came out. So we're going to tackle that stuff first, um, starting with the big news that just came out today. Um, we got uh, finally uh, some official confirmation from Lucasfilm that Ryan Johnson is going to write and direct Star Wars Episode Eight. Um, not only that, but the the movie is returning to a May release date for Episode Eight. Um, so even though Episode Seven is coming out in December, Episode Eight is coming out May twenty sixth, two thousand seventeen. Um, and that is going to be 40 years in one day after the release of Star Wars A New Hope in 1977. So, man, how cool is that? See, they um, should have just had it be released one day earlier than usual and have it be exactly 40 years. 
I mean, what's yeah. the harm of it coming out on a Thursday? It's it's close enough, anyways. Well, you know what? We'll probably be seeing it Thursday anyway. I mean, yeah, o'clock, ten o'clock screening. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. What better way to uh, celebrate the 40th anniversary of Star Wars than with more Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> um, but not only that, this was only half of this big announcement because the other half. Um, is that we got a title for the first Star Wars standalone film called uh, Star Wars Rogue One, and we got confirmation that Felicity Jones has been cast as uh, one of the lead roles. So, um, man, suddenly a lot of this speculation and stuff that we've been hearing about the the standalone films in Episode Eight and uh, you know, possibly even beyond that. We don't really know anything about Episode Nine yet, but all this stuff suddenly starting to take shape. And like we said, Tim. Um, even though this is the year of episode seven and, uh, you know, that's the big thing to look forward to this year with the standalone films and the, the future movies coming out in the next few years, it's like, we're going to start hearing some more stuff about that this year too. So this is kind of the first, uh, the first domino to fall, I guess you could say, um, in that category. Um, so yeah, we, we've got our title and our lead for the first standalone film. We've got our director and our release date for episode eight. Um, yeah, cool stuff. I know. Just step back and think about that for a second. We're getting this awesome news today about two new Star Wars movies, two. But to top it all off, we're in the year where we're getting another new Star Wars movie already. It's just so awesome to be living in this era of Star Wars where we're talking about all these new movies being released in a short amount of time. I mean, it's just crazy to think about. It's just awesome one, too, man. It's the times we're living in now, like, for a Star Wars fan, it just can't be beat. I mean, we're just going to be in the golden age, as we said before. But yeah, a lot of cool stuff in this report. I mean, what was probably the worst kept secret regarding the Star Wars movie, probably since uh, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher returning, was Ryan Johnson uh, being the writer and director for Episode Eight. So it's finally cool to finally see that on StarWars.com instead of everyone else just talking about it, but yet wondering, how come it's not been made official yet? Yeah. But I well, have to say, that was even like a, a worse kept secret than the original cast returning because with Mark Cable and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher coming back for episode seven, like we still didn't really know anything official about that. Um, even though, you know, it was one of those things where everybody was just like, they can't make a new Star Wars movie without those guys. That was the only logical choice. But Mark Hamill would still say things like, yeah, we haven't signed contracts yet. Or, you know, little things that would put maybe a little bit of doubt in the back of your mind. But in this case, Ryan Johnson was just like straight up talking about it in interviews. <laughs> and we just hadn't seen an official press release. But this wasn't like everybody pretty much knew and everybody was speculating. No, just everybody knew this. Um, but it was still cool to finally get official confirmation. I and mean, we were just talking about this on our last episode and wondering, like, are they even going to put out a press release for this at some point? Like, everybody pretty – I mean, not everybody knows, but all the, the hardcore fans that follow this stuff as much as we do um, pretty much already knew that this was coming. So we thought, oh, it did, was it sort of just like an unofficial announcement and they're just going to kind of go with it and assume that people are going to find out? But no, here we, we finally get our uh, – our official stamp on it. So there we go. Yeah. Like nothing's really going to change. If like Ryan Johnson's been talking about it since it's been reported. So it's not like he's going to be more open to it about anything. I mean, he's probably just going to be saying the same things he've said since it was first reported that he was writing and directed. So no change there, but I will say probably the thing besides getting the title for uh, the standalone film, one other thing I was really excited about is just the fact that episode eight is Star Wars is returning to a summer release. I mean, we, don't know exactly how it's going to be when it comes out in December, but we're going to have two movies two years in a row that it's going to be that way. I mean, when it's 
all said and done, who really cares when we get it? But there's something about it being a summer release that just seems more like Star Wars. So I'm just glad it's kind of going back to that. And like we talked about being exactly or almost exactly 40 years to the day from when A New Hope first came out. It's just really cool. And then from the standalone movie, or Rogue One now, till episode eight, that's only like six months apart. I mean, uh, it's so crazy and cool to be thinking about this, how short amount of time we're going to get in new Star Wars films. I mean, one movie every year was cool enough, but to get some like six months apart, it's just amazing. And <laughs> I just can't wait. I mean, going to probably see Rogue One, we're going to see probably the, I would guess maybe a second trailer for the episode eight maybe that would be the first one they debut with that but either uh, way we'll get some type be, of i think it'll be the first trailer yeah just going by how we got the force awakens one a year early i wonder if we'll be the same for episode eight but no nah, I, I think it's just because of how much hype there was surrounding episode seven and they knew the fans were so rabid for uh for information um but yeah when, once the train starts rolling and once we start getting these movies then you know they won't need to to hype and promote all of them quite as much because yeah, we'll have other things to keep us satisfied in the meantime. Um, That's but true. yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about the, the close, how close those release dates are and everything. I saw someone post this on like Facebook or Twitter uh, sometime today. And it kind of blew my mind because like you said, we're thinking about just the idea of getting one star Wars movie every year and how cool that is. But, uh, I don't know, somebody said, like, man, it's so cool to be living in an era where we're going to get three Star Wars movies in the span of a year and a half. And I was like, wait, what? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, from, like, December 2015 to May of 2017, that's, like, a year and a half, and we're going to get three Star Wars movies in there. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to get spoiled. <laughs> like, hopefully this is going to last a long time where we're getting steady Star Wars movies released like this because it's yeah. going to be awesome. I mean, as I've said before, I still have maybe a little bit of trepidation in the fact that, like, man, I hope this isn't too much. I hope they don't oversaturate it and overdo it and, you know, people just get burnt out on it after a few years. Um, but at the same time, I mean, hopefully all these are just really good stories and great movies and uh you know as as long as they're good and they they keep up the the cool and exciting and fresh new star wars content i'm just gonna be super excited to see all of them totally um, i mean with rogue one i mean with knowing that title now just may cause a lot more speculation than we had about this movie i would say before when we we're hearing rumors oh is it going to be a young on solo movie is it going to be a boba fett movie a group of bounty hunters or like pirates and all that stuff but seeing the words rogue one in there i mean of course star wars fans are automatically going to think rogue squadron of course that's what it's going to be about and yeah i mean that's still possible it's going to be about the formation of rogue squadron it makes you think where is this film film actually going to take place and uh, before new hope the like right between episode four, episode five, but in the episode seven area era, so it's like more speculation is rising about like where actually this movie is going to take place, and if in fact it will be about Rogue Squadron or a member of Rogue Squadron. But at the same time, I don't think that should be, at least for me anyway, not set in stone that that's what this movie is going to be about. Maybe Rogue One is like uh, used as another uh, code name for a group or just a particular character, and maybe it is still going to be like a rogue group of either bounty hunters or pirates or something like that. And rogue one is in reference to this one particular character, maybe played by Felicity Jones. So even though it makes sense that rogue one would be about rogue squadron or a character in rogue squadron, 
for me, I'm still not like 100% totally convinced that's what the film's going to be about. Still kind of leaving it open to still be about something else. Yeah, I mean, it's like, does Rogue One mean Rogue number one, or is it one who is rogue? Um, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, certainly it seems like a lot of people are sort of jumping to, uh, yeah, jumping on the Rogue Squadron bandwagon, I guess you could say. Um, and I don't know. I mean, at this point, we really don't have much to go on. I mean, we've heard a lot of rumors up to this point that, it, like you said, it was either going to be a Han Solo or a Boba Fett movie. And then we heard that it could maybe be a movie with both of them in it, or it could be, you know, a whole team of bounty hunters and not just Boba Fett. Or we've, we've also heard a lot of rumors that it's going to be some sort of heist film um, that may have something to do with the rebels stealing the Death Star plans. And so, um, you know, all of this stuff is still possible. I've even seen some, some rumors and things today that, um, you know, they're saying like, oh, well, even though it's not titled, you know, Hansel or Boba Fett and they've cast a female lead, like it's still, it's not going to be a, strictly about Han Solo or Boba Fett, but both of those characters will appear in this movie. Um, and I mean, if that happens, awesome. But at this point, I'm, I guess I'm not trying to stick too much to that. Cause it's like, um, I, I think we've heard enough rumors and enough, you know, speculation on that point that I, I still am almost positive that we'll see, you know, those characters in spinoff movies at some point, but maybe they, they changed course and decided to go with something new and original for the standalone film or for this first standalone film. So, you know, if we see Han and Boba Fett in it, awesome. But if not, you know, I, I'm not going to be like, Hey, they said that was what the first movie was going to be. I'm like, no, always in motion, just the future. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's even how this, uh, article started up on in starwars.com saying that quote from yoda <laughs> yeah yeah so um, what's also but, cool about it too i mean something we hadn't heard about at all for the standalone movie is that the story actually came from john Knoll, who's like one of the big yeah. guys over at ilm i mean he's now the chief creative officer over there which he's been involved with star wars and lucasfilm for a long time i mean he's on all the prequel documentaries <laughs> being there from the beginning so he definitely knows this stuff with star wars so i think that's pretty cool and i totally respect the guy so to have a story come from him i'm really anxious to see what that's going to be about yeah and you know I, I totally agree there um i don't know how much you know when they say the the story idea came from him i'm like i don't know if he wrote the whole outline and basically wrote the story and then they had somebody else come in and just do the actual script or um you know if he just kind of helped throw some ideas out there that sort of ended up forming the backbone of it but um either way yeah, even though he's a visual effects guy and not like a, a writer or director, um, you know, just someone who's worked around filmmaking and worked around Star Wars for that long. Um, yeah, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about. And he's certainly one of the more qualified people on this planet to <laughs> come up with a good story idea yeah. for a new Star Wars movie just because he's been around it for so long. So, um, yeah, that, that was pretty cool to hear, too. And another interesting thing about it, too, where... It's reminded me a little bit about uh, The Force Awakens press release we got not too long ago where it mentioned the writers being J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan and not mentioning really Michael Arndt anymore. And this one, um, excuse me, this one doesn't mention uh, Gary Whitta as the writer. It just mentions uh, the new writer, Christopher Wrights. So it just makes you think, like, is it kind of following the same path? Is Gary Whitta's basic structure there a little bit or is it totally gone? I mean... That just makes you. I mean, he's been saying like, and Chris uh, White's has said in another interview where the, pretty much the core of it 
from Gary Wood's script is there, but is he going to be left off as a writing credit now when we see the movie end and the credits roll? They're just going to say written by Chris White's was a story by John Nolan. Gary Wood is no longer listed as like being involved with it anymore. So I found that that kind of interesting. It reminded me a lot about what happened with Michael Arndt when we start getting like these official press releases put out for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's kind of interesting because, yeah, like you said, he's not mentioned in this press release, but also there seems to generally be more um, sort of good, positive energy, I guess you could say, and, uh, you know, no hard feelings between uh, Gary Whitta and Lucasfilm, unless they're all just putting on a front and, you know, trying to make it seem like nothing's wrong. But, um, I mean, just from the way he was talking about it on social media and stuff, it certainly sounded like he hadn't you know, just given up and walked away from the project or hadn't been kicked off or something. It basically sounded like he did what they brought him on to do. Um, so I don't know, maybe he'll get a, a co-writing credit when the, uh, the film finally comes out, or maybe he'll get, you know, some other credit as, uh, you know, someone who helped develop the story or something like that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, um, and at the end of the day, the fans know that he helped make a contribution to it and, uh, you know, we'll sort of judge that, I guess, once we actually see the movie and see how good the final story in the script is. Yeah. We'll see either who to praise or who to blame. <laughs> but yeah, I'm guessing exactly. more praise. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I know, I mean, we've shared a lot of our reactions on this. You got uh, a few reactions from some of our listeners, too, on uh, Twitter and stuff, right? Yeah, put the word out to see what some of the other people thought about this news. And we got two responses on Twitter, one from Dennis Ramirez, who says that he actually more has a question regarding it, wondering, is it a mistake to put episode eight next to Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in May 2017? And will Disney cancel out the box office for each movie? And for me, I personally don't think so, because they're spread pretty far out. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, I believe, comes out May 5th, which is like the first weekend of May. And then episode eight will be the last weekend of May. So normally when those summer releases, you're going to get a big, like two or sometimes three big movies coming out in that month. That's going to kind of cancel the previous film's box office out a little bit. And, and for Disney, I guess if that's going to happen, might as well be another one of their films. So, and you know, both are going to be extremely successful. So maybe Guardians might not make as much as it would be if episode eight wasn't going to be there. But I don't think it's going to like cause it to have a big drop in its box office when it's all said and done. And personally, I'm real happy because that just means we're going to get two awesome movies in one month. So no complaints for me here, but it is kind of an interesting question if Disney's even thought about that at all. Like, is it going to affect each other's box office? But in the end, if they really think that, uh, it'll probably get moved. Marvel's already moved some of their uh, film releases already. So Guardians of the Galaxy, right now it's set for May 5th. But who knows? It can change. Anything can change between now and then. So we'll see. I hope it doesn't because it's going to be awesome to have those two movies come out in the same month. Yeah, I mean that was kind of an interesting thought. Um, you know, obviously we're used to Star Wars being a big summer release, but kind of the upside of it coming out in December is like you don't—you definitely don't have as much competition from other big uh, blockbuster type movies. Um, but yeah, you put it back in the summer and obviously there's a lot more competition there. And with Guardians of the Galaxy, it does seem a little strange, I guess, for Disney to be releasing, you know, two big summer tentpole sci-fi movies in the same month. Um, now, like you said, it's probably not going to have a huge effect on the box office because they're, you know, at least like two or three, or I guess three weeks apart. Um, 
so you know guardians of the galaxy will have plenty of time to dominate the box office and make its money and then star wars will come over and take over um but yeah i mean normally they just don't release them that close together now obviously one's from marvel one's from lucasfilm so it's not like they're the exact same studio um and with marvel um you know they'll sometimes release like two two uh marvel movies in one summer but they're usually at least like a month or two apart like this year we've got um avengers age of ultron coming out in may and then ant-man coming out in july right uh, august actually august okay yeah. um yeah see i'm not the, all that excited for that one so i just <laughs> it's coming out sometime later in the summer um but yeah, so it, it does seem a little strange for them to be coming out in the same month. But I also have to believe that a lot of this has to do with um, the fact that this is just going to fall on the 40th anniversary of Star Wars. And I'm sure they want to use that uh, to their advantage for a big marketing push. Um, and so, you know, maybe it, if that weren't the case, they might have uh, put out Star Wars in like June or July or something. Um, also you talked about them maybe moving Guardians of the Galaxy, which they could possibly do, except I would think because it's coming out that first weekend in May, I don't think they're going to, because I think they want to have a, a big established franchise coming out like right at the beginning of that summer blockbuster season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, at the end <laughs> of the day, I still think they're both going to make a ton of money. Um, you know, Star Wars is going to make more undoubtedly, but uh guardians of the galaxy i think is still gonna make plenty even with uh with star wars maybe biting off a little chunk at the end there yeah like i said either way we win as fans (laughs) oh definitely (laughs) yeah then also uh tom mcclellan said that uh it's really great news i wonder if johnson is directing episode nine love rogue one's title yeah no mention of the episode nine stuff in this press release because i was like first reported when Ryan Johnson's name came up that he's doing both episodes eight and nine, but they probably don't want to jump that too far ahead for episode nine. I mean, they probably don't want to touch that right when we're still so far away from it, but episode seven, Rogue One, possibly another standalone movie before that and episode eight. So probably won't be hearing about episode nine for a while, I would think. And then on Facebook, uh, Omar says, it is a great time for the saga. Never in my wildest dreams would I thought we would get three movies in a span of a year and a half. Yeah, that's Can't, where I read it. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see how the spinoff works into the Star Wars universe. I hope they don't make it about Wedge since Mr. Lawson passed on Episode 7. <laughs> that's right. Mr. Dennis Lawson, if he's not going to come back for Episode 7, I don't think he's going to come back for a Rogue Squadron movie <laughs> if they, yeah, that was their it. plan. Well, maybe he would since it's a bigger role, but... Yeah, he's already talked bad about Star Wars, so... <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, he he did say that, uh, you know, he would have come back if it had been a big enough role, but I think at this point he's kind of burned that bridge, so... Totally, um, yeah. <laughs> and and I don't think... I mean, they could have had Wedge in, in a maybe slightly bigger supporting role in a standalone film, but I don't think they're going to make a whole movie just about him, um, especially, you know, with the whole sort of theme that they seem to be going with in episode seven of the older characters kind of passing the torch onto the new generation. Um, you know, and, and Mark Hamill keeps repeating this in interviews too, that even though the original cast is back, like the, the real stars of the movie are the new characters. And so if they're not making Han and Luke and Leia, the focus of episode seven, then they're not going to make wedge the focus of his own standalone movie. Yeah. And really, if they really wanted wedge to be in it, I mean, Dennis Lawson really doesn't have to come back. I think they can find an actor <laughs> to pull off an older wedge. Yeah. We've really only seen him with an X-Wing pilot helmet on. I mean, he was at the 
Ewok celebration at the end, but really, it's going to be an older guy, so <laughs> I don't think it'd be too big of a deal if they got a new actor to play him. Yeah, and they could also get a younger Wedge to be in, I don't know, a movie about the formation of Rogue Squadron before A New Hope, so. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah, we shouldn't lose any sleep about Dennis Lawson not being in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, thanks to you guys for uh, sending in your thoughts on that. Um, and also, uh, you know, we, we've heard some more rumors and things about this um, just in the few hours since this announcement came out. Um, and apparently, and all this information was uh, was shared by Bob Iger at a uh, Disney shareholder meeting or something. Um, and of course, the press release came out shortly thereafter. But uh, there's this article on Slash Film where um, they apparently were able to get a little bit more information from some of the people who were at that meeting. And apparently, there was uh, like one piece of concept art shown from the new film. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people are sort of jumping to the X-Wings conclusion, but from the description, and of course, this is some vague stuff and from some, uh, you know, various sources and people who aren't really huge Star Wars fans, so not a whole lot of concrete stuff to go on here, but it doesn't sound like this is going to be the big X-Wing space adventure action movie that people are uh, are kind of expecting, um, and it's um, talking about, you know, there may be being... Uh, like a squad of soldiers and um, they said it's got kind of like a dark gritty uh, kind of dark muted colors and that sort of thing feel to it. Um, one person said it uh, reminded them a lot of Halo. Um, and so, you know, they're thinking maybe this is like the group of bounty hunters that we've heard, but um, people are also saying that these characters are just sort of like dressed in dark uh, plain looking outfits and there aren't really any recognizable like bounty hunter helmets or anything like that. So um, I don't know. It definitely seems like some, uh, you know, one more sort of curveball thrown in here, um, just to kind of keep us guessing. And, um, I don't know. I mean, Tim, you, you got uh, anything to make of this for, for just what we're hearing right now? Yeah. It just kind of goes back to what we we're talking about before, how it might not possibly be about rogue squadron, but focus on a group of rogues or mercenaries but then the main character is going to be like referred to as rogue one or something like that but uh, this description sounded pretty cool though i mean they describe it as halo um halo has some great looking uh, designs vehicles troops and worlds so if it looks anything like that that would be awesome and seeing how these like soldiers there was about four or five of them wearing like, helmets and masks and stuff and like I've always say on the previous podcast, you know how much I love troopers, clone troopers, stormtrooper helmet design. So if we're going to get more cool new designs like that, that should look awesome. And if it's anything like Halo, which is like, what could probably be described as a more grittier look to it than maybe Star Wars is. So it could be a whole new like set of designs and stuff we haven't seen in a Star Wars movie before, which is exciting. So yeah, like you said, everyone assuming that it's going to be about Rogue Squadron and X-Wing and stuff like that might not... Should, probably shouldn't get set on that just yet. I mean, if the re this concept art description is anything to go off on, and who knows, maybe it still is, and this is just a particular sequence or a scene that they're, or potential sequence or scene. I mean, this is just concept art, so that they had in mind for it. So we'll see. But I kind of like the description that it had for it. This makes it sound a little more different than what we're used to in uh, other Star Wars movies and concept art that we've seen, which is kind of what we should hope for in these standalone movies, not stuff that's just repeating. And uh, I don't want to say retreading because I don't think you can retread on what's great stuff that Star Wars has done in the past. So, But just repeating it over and over again for at least standalone movies, which are not part of the core episode titles and they're supposed to be 
not separate in continuity, but just separate where they don't have to be reliant on that. And they can do a lot more stuff to make it uh, more different and standalone, hence the reference to it. So, yeah, just reading the description kind of got me more excited about it, too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it just kind of gets your mind going about what might be in this new movie. So um, certainly some exciting stuff to think about. But uh, I don't know, at least I mean, we I guess we do have a, a kind of long wait for that movie, but it won't seem as long because we've got episode seven to look forward to in the meantime. So um, that's the best part about all this. Yeah, we're yeah, excited yeah. about this movie, but we got another one coming out later this year. So yeah, awesome. I mean, it won't be like a barren two years of, of waiting with nothing really to go on like we had for episode seven was when that was first announced. So yeah, because we'll have the release of episode seven and then we'll have the Blu-ray release for the movie, which we'll probably have like a special, special behind the scenes to look at rogue one or something like that. Yeah, maybe, but, uh, yeah, it, it'll certainly be easier to be patient, uh, waiting for this movie. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, also on slash film, Chris White's did a, uh, an interview talking about, um, you know, where he talked a little bit about writing the star Wars movies, not really anything, uh, you know, super revealing in this obviously, but, um, talks a little bit about the, you know, how the writing process goes and everything. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, he talked about how they're still basing it off Gary Witta's script and uh, using those ideas and stuff. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. see. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about this guy before on some previous episodes and we'll just kind of, judging by the the merits of the film when it comes out so yep one thing he said in this interview which i mean you would expect from a professional writer but i mean he's taking it very seriously and knows that the fans are expecting big things from this and he and he's glad that that's the case because it kind of pushes them to do better and he knows the fans expect this and they should do that because if they don't then he's gonna he just says in the interview he's failing at my job if that's the case so good that he has a serious attitude towards it and knows that he has to deliver so yeah, definitely. We'll see if he does. Yeah, and also uh, just on Twitter, Ryan Johnson posted uh, earlier today. He said, "Seriously, huge thanks for the kind words of support. Having the time of my life. Cannot wait for you all to see the good stuff we're cooking up." So, um, neither can we. <laughs> yeah, no, neither can we. So, yeah, definitely some cool stuff to look forward to there. But uh, let's uh, dive back down into the episode seven stuff. Um, that, that was like a horrible segue where I tried to make a plane diving joke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, we had a little bit of scary news this past week, uh, where Harrison Ford was involved in a plane crash. Um, but luckily he's, uh, he's got good reflexes and, uh, beat the odds and he survived this plane crash. Um, apparently hearing, you know, reports from various people, um, I guess he was flying, you know, an old world war ii era plane that uh, you know just malfunctioned shortly after he took off and uh somebody watching him from the airport said like you know a, a novice pilot would have just crashed and died um but he you know, knew the the right maneuvers to make and everything he basically hit some trees near a golf course and they think he did it on purpose to like slow the plane down and basically made a crash landing instead of just making a nosedive and burning up and you know exploding or something but um you know so, so kind of some some scary news there for uh, a couple hours that day but then um i mean the initial report i think said he was severely injured and in critical condition and then some yeah. more some more reports came out saying like no no he's at the hospital he's in you know mild to moderate condition and he's stable and everything so we're glad he's all right um 
But man, you weren't kidding. <laughs> he said it was scary. And when I yeah. saw those tweets coming out, I was like, oh man, like, no, this can't be happening. Harrison Ford, like, this is like, when you see the words Harrison Ford in critical edition plane crash, like, I mean, you think the worst. But like you said, thankfully, he's as great of a pilot in real life as he is <laughs> as Han Solo <laughs> flying the Falcon. Because not only, like you said, people describing that, really, this type of accident could have had fatal consequences for most pilots. Like these usually don't turn out that well, but not only the fact that he was able to save himself from this, but he was able to fly the plane and to avoid it crashing into any other houses or residential areas besides that golf course, but which was a nice open field that he could land it without injuring anybody. So yeah, (laughs) just shows you how awesome a pilot Harrison Ford really is in real life. So, and like we all know how tough he is too. I mean, coming out of this, plane crash that he said it was he walked away from it and i believe like not too long after later that night his son sent a tweet out kind of saying like he's every bit the man like you imagine him to be <laughs> pretty much referring to like uh, as we seen him all in this action movies that he's been so definitely some scary news when you were reading about it but definitely glad he turned out okay because man i can't even imagine if the worst happened <laughs> with harrison ford and then just after coming back to do star wars and Imagine that being like his last role, and then after this tragedy, what would happen? Uh, don't even want to imagine that. So thankfully, yeah. he walked away okay from it. Yeah, seriously. Especially when you consider that you know we, we sadly lost uh, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, I think like just under a week before. I think this, it was like five or six days before uh, before this plane crash happened. And you know, my first thought was like, oh, we can't lose Spock and Han Solo in the same week. Like that's just not fair. And then thankfully, oh, we did. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at the photos. I mean, the plane, as you described, like an old World War II plane. It's pretty much like something he would fly as Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and of course, yeah. once yeah, that was a. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, just again, like this, it was such like a surreal like hour or so that day, just following the news and then just reading the tweets, like following, like what exactly is his condition? Is critical? Is it just moderate? But like, you know, just a crazy hour. I would. Throughout that day, wondering what was happening and going on with his condition after that got reported. Yeah, and then you know, once we found out that he was okay and that uh, you know nothing was too serious, then we could have a good laugh at all the internet memes that that spawned up out of that. <laughs> most of which involves photos of the Millennium Falcon, you know, half dug into the ground in a golf course. Um, but also, one of my favorite ones was a picture of uh, of Indy's dad. Um, you know, with uh, Sean Connery from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and that scene where his dad is like sitting in the back of the plane yeah. with the gun, and he's like trying to shoot down the Nazis or whatever that are chasing after him, and he kind of just like, you know, strafes the gun across the back and accidentally like shoots the tail of their own plane. <laughs> um, and so somebody just posted a picture of him after that, or you know, his his face right after that moment, and they were like, uh, you know, police say that this person is wanted, you know, is a wanted suspect in Harrison Ford's plane crash. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. <laughs> that one sounds funny. Son, I'm sorry. They got us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I need to go watch that movie again. Yeah. <laughs> I will argue that, I mean, everyone says Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best Indiana Jones movie, but I say Last Crusade is my favorite. Oh, so, no. Like, it's my favorite, too. Hands yeah, down. Good. I mean, we're, I know. We're there. <laughs> yeah, I know Raiders is a classic, but I don't know. Personal preference, I like uh, I like Last Crusade better. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Now, random question. We can have our, our short little Indiana Jones side rant here. Um, do you like 
Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or Temple of Doom better? Um, you know what? I've, Temple of Doom, of course, I've seen and always that was always like the weakest one. And then when I first saw Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I mean, that gets a bad rap, but I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's some parts that you could do without, but for the moment after I saw it, like, you know, I think I like this better than Temple of Doom. But then when Indiana Jones uh, came out on Blu-ray, we watched all the movies again. You know, Temple of Doom is still pretty entertaining and has its funny moments and stuff. So I don't know. I guess I would say after coming out of Temple of Doom, I would say that one's better. But yeah, I still enjoy Kingdom of the Crystal Skull a lot. So, But I'll, I'd put Temple of Doom if I had to pick one right now over that oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I, I think, and again, you know, we're, we're kind of in the minority here, but I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom. Mm. Um, not that I absolutely love it or think it's a great movie or anything, you know, I mean, it's, it's not bad. And like you said, it gets a bad rap. People love to hate on that one, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's entertaining. It's not perfect, but, um, yeah, so there's tons of st- Indian classic Indiana Jones, mo- uh, classic Indiana Jones moments in that movie, I find. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Temple of Doom is just, I mean, it's, it's, all right. It certainly has its its moments. I love Short Round. He's yeah. awesome. But I don't know. For me, like the first half of the movie just kind of dragged. And then the second half just got all weird and dark with people like ripping hearts out of each other's chests and stuff. And, uh, you know, a little film history lesson for anyone who didn't know this. That movie it basically is the reason why we have a PG-13 rating. Yep. <laughs> um, because at the time they were like... This movie is too dark to be PG, but it's not really adult enough to be rated R. Like, it doesn't have a bunch of language and naked people running around and all that kind of stuff. So, like, we need something in the middle here. Um, and, you know, voila, we have PG-13 movies now. But, um, yeah. Anyway, getting back on track. Um, <laughs> Who knows? We've been having this debate later on when we get the rebooted Indiana Jones series with Chris Pratt taking over. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that's a whole nother rant we could go yep. on. Okay, I'll bite. Um, I love Chris Pratt and Guardians of the Galaxy, but Star-Lord is not Indiana Jones. Um, you know, I, I think in that role, he's, you know, he's too kind of goofy and lighthearted. Not that, I mean, he works perfectly as Star-Lord. That wouldn't work for Indiana Jones. But he's, uh, you know, going to be in Jurassic World coming out this summer and, uh, you know, obviously, at least from the, the look of the trailer, it seems like he's going to be playing a much more kind of grizzled, tough guy character who, like, trains velociraptors and stuff. And so if you can pull off that and make that a, a good and likable and believable character, then I'll buy into him being Indiana Jones. He certainly looks the part, but, uh, you know, I just don't know if he can channel that sort of Harrison Ford charisma and persona and everything and on the one hand i mean part of me still just doesn't want to see anybody else but harrison ford be indiana jones but on the other hand if they're gonna do it anyways and i mean hollywood is all about just trying to cash in on reboots and remakes and sequels and stuff these days um it's like if we have to have an indiana jones reboot he's not a bad choice so yeah that's exactly how i feel about it i mean you really don't want to see anyone take over indiana jones from harrison ford but if they are going to pick someone i mean Chris Pratt seems like a, a good choice right now anyway. So if it is ends up being true, you'd be kind of like, man, 
how are they going to pull this off with somebody new as Indiana Jones? But they could do a lot worse than having Chris Pratt take over. So <laughs> we'll yeah. see if it even comes to pass. He's all denying it right now, but we all know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same way I felt when I saw the Star Trek reboot for the first time. And I'm sitting there watching it going, man, you know, I still hope they never do a reboot of Star Wars. But if they ever do... I hope they could get this guy to direct it. And then even better, we ended up getting not a reboot, but a continuation and we're getting episode seven and it is directed by the same guy. So I kind of won the fanboy jackpot on that one. Yeah, you sure did. Oh man. (laughs) A star Wars reboot is something I never even want to imagine, or hopefully no one at Lucasfilm or Disney ever thinks of as a possibility that should be left off the table. Well, and I mean, with the way they're going nowadays with, you know, the new movies and with the whole story group and the new continuity and everything, I can't see them doing a reboot yeah. of Star Wars anytime soon. Um, if they're going to do it, do it after our lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, I was going to say if they do do it, it could still be in our lifetime. But I can't see them doing it anytime in the next, like, 30 years at least. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll, I don't know we'll if they'll still be making Star Wars movies for that long. But eh, I don't know. We'll see. At least for the foreseeable future. Yes. They're just going <laughs> to keep making new stuff and not keep rebooting stuff, which is the way it should be. Especially for Star Wars, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes, the rumors about Luke. Um, oh, yes, let's talk about that, shall we? <laughs> yes, let's go on a completely different, you know, a rant of a completely different sort. Um, so this is the part of the show where we say, uh, put your put your iPhone or your iTunes or whatever on mute or skip forward a few minutes if you don't want to hear spoilers. Uh, potential spoilers, because um, I I don't buy into this next rumor. Well, part of me does, part of me doesn't. I don't want to buy into this next rumor. Um, but this is, uh, once again, from the guys at MakingStarWars.net. Uh, they've got a new rumor about Luke Skywalker's involvement in The Force Awakens. And uh, they've got um, basically a, a description of the end of the movie, which kind of sounds like you know, the, the typical ending of a star Wars movie. I didn't really pay too much, too close attention to this as I was reading it, but it's like, uh, you know, you see Ray and Finn and Chewie and BB eight, and they're all together after surviving whatever big ordeal they went through and then parting and going their separate ways and, you know, all this different stuff. And then, uh, you know, they fly away on the Falcon, then they land on a new planet in the Falcon, and then Ray walks up some stone steps and comes to a hooded figure and puts a lightsaber in his hand, and then we see that it's Luke, and that's the end of the movie, and that's the only time in the entire movie that you see Luke Skywalker. And when I first read that, part of me, you know, a, a small part of me went like, oh, that kind of makes sense, and then, but the rest of me is just like, no, they can't do that, that's dumb. Um, but I mean, the, the more I think about it, I, I really don't think they're going to do that. Um, I mean, we've heard so many other rumors about Luke's backstory and seeing him as this sort of haunted, tormented old man who's being, you know, he's hearing voices of Sith spirits and he's outside this temple and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't, they could maybe just work all that in as exposition and just have all these other characters talking about him or whatever, but um, I just think with the expectations people have of seeing the original trilogy cast return in this movie, um, it, it would be, I mean, as cool as it would be to see Luke in this movie in in any capacity, I think, you know, the the fact that they've already announced it and hyped it up so much 
to then have him absent for, you know, 99% of the movie, it would be distracting in a way because, you know, you'd get to like the climax of the movie and, you know, the big lightsaber duel or whatever. And people would be like, okay, is this when Luke's going to show up? Is this when Luke's going to show up? Okay. How about now? We know he's going to be in this movie. Where is he? And, you know, it would be distracting from just all the other cool stuff that's going on. Cause we'd be like, where the heck is Luke? You said he was going to be in the movie. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. When I first read this before, I was like, man, this is like one of the few, very few Star Wars rumors that got me disappointed <laughs> for this movie for The Force Awakens. Because, yeah, like you said, we already had the expectations of the big three coming back and in various capacities of the film. I know the rumors that Han Solo was going to be the main character out of the three and then we got Luke and Leia. But, yeah, what just doesn't add up to me when you think about the announcement that Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher are coming back and the time that Mark Hamill spent on set and they had him grow that big beard and you think they would and how much he got in shape because he got into great shape for this role to come back mm. as Luke again. And you think they really would have had him do that just for like a two-second shot at the very end of the film? So stuff like that where it just doesn't seem to add up for me. Um, it just makes me think that on the one hand, Maybe this report, if anything, should keep our expectations in check where Luke Skywalker is not going to be in it as much as we would like. But at the end, I think he's going to be in it more than just the final shot of the film. I just don't see that happening. I mean, you, you said all the reasons why that wouldn't seem to work well. I mean, it, tons of fans would be disappointed, especially the ones who are staying away from spoilers. And they're going in maybe... I mean, they're probably expecting the unexpected. They're staying away from spoilers, but I can't help but think that a lot of people would be disappointed when that's the last shot. They're just going to be going, oh, come on. That's all we got of Luke, and it might have more of a negative effect on the movie than probably what everyone's hoping for. So I just don't see them doing that. But on the other hand, too, this does sound like a cool way to set up episodes eight and nine going forward. I mean, Years from now, when we have all three episodes on Blu-ray and we're watching them together, this could be a very awesome ending for Episode 7. Then you go right into Episode 8 and 9 to see where the story picks up from there. But just when you experience it for the first time, yeah, just, I just don't think it's going to sit well. And I don't think J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy, Lucasfilm, Disney, they're going to want to do that when they already announced that the big three are coming back and Mark Hamill is officially cast. If anything this was going to be his only part in the film, they would try to keep that a secret where maybe they don't announce Mark Hamill is going to be in the movie. And even though they probably expect spoilers to come out, they would try as best as they can to keep his appearance a secret to be that, oh, wow moment when you're in the theater, not expecting and not knowing Mark Hamill to be there. And then when you see that final shot, it'd be more of an exciting thing than a disappointing thing when he's already announced and people are expecting him to be in it more than that. So, yeah, um, I don't think this one's going to pan out as they're reporting. I mean, uh, making Star Wars, I mean, in the past, they've been dead on with a lot of reports, especially with their concept art, some of the stuff we saw in the trailer. So I don't doubt what they're being told to them it does say this, but I think whatever information they have, just I just don't think it can be accurate. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe we're in denial. <laughs> we just don't want this to be the case, but... Just all the reasons we gave, I just don't think it adds up to where his only appearance is going to be the final shot in the movie. So, I mean, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, of course, but it's going to make me kind of analyze a little bit more like the promotion stuff as we go forward for uh, for The Force Awakens, like at Celebration, when we see what a new trailer or some footage, are we going to see Luke? I mean, if we start not seeing a lot of Luke in the promotional stuff, that might make me wonder a little bit and just get me more curious to say if this will be accurate, but... 
as of right now, I just really don't think it's the case. I just don't think they're going to go that way for him. Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, this would be a really cool ending if it was a surprise. I mean, if they hadn't announced that any of the new cast were coming back, um, if this movie was just about the new characters and we thought that Han and Luke and Leia weren't going to be in it, and then at the very end, you you know, that you have that reveal that Luke is still in it, that would be really cool. But when people's expectations are already so high, I think it's just going to let people down. But at the same time, I mean, when you say, like, maybe we're just in denial about it, I mean, this would kind of make sense with the way that Mark Hamill has been talking about the movie in interviews. He keeps saying over and over, like, um, you know, people are excited to to see the original cast and see me and Harrison and Carrie return, but, like, you shouldn't get your hopes up too much because this really is, uh, you know, the movie is about the new characters and we're just kind of here to give our support and everything. Um, but still, I mean, I, I actually could kind of see this being the uh like how the movie ends um but it's i i still don't think that that's going to be the only time we see luke throughout the entire movie even if it's just through visions or flashbacks or we see luke off by himself and then this is the first time we see him interacting with any other characters i just think yeah you you don't bring luke skywalker back into a star wars movie for two seconds of screen time and you think Mark Hamill would really need to be at that table read if that's all he's going to be doing to not have any lines in the movie? No, <laughs> but they would need to do it for publicity reasons. Um, you know, because if uh, if they release that cast photo with everybody in it except Mark Hamill and, you know, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher in it, people are going to be like, what's up with that? Um, you know, and, and people are going to start digging and the paparazzi are going to go crazy. And, you know, sooner or later it would eventually leak that he was in the movie. And so, um, I mean, if this is the case, I, I'm not surprised at all that they still had him involved in the table read just to sort of hide, you know, what they're doing with it. Um, but still, I mean, that, you know, that, that seems like the wrong kind of deception there. Um, you know, you're setting people up to be let down. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it would be like if Marvel had, uh, you know, released a photo of Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury before the first Iron Man movie. And everybody's like, oh, cool. Nick Fury's going to be an Iron Man. And then he's only in the Easter egg at the end of the credits. You know, that that would kind of be the same situation. It would be like here with Luke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes you think, like, like what if that, that has actually happened? It's, I mean, uh, at the same time, like we said, cool reveal at the end, but man, how disappointing is it going to be? <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to have to wait uh, two years to see Luke Skywalker again, where we're all hyped up to see his return in The Force Awakens. I mean, that's probably more my fault, too, where I'm getting <laughs> the expectations as far as Luke's role in this movie, seeing him ignite a lightsaber, have being a demonstrator's awesome Force abilities, and show like who's the most powerful Jedi around right now. I mean, we've heard those reports too, which got me real excited. So this kind of just did a whole flip around that, <laughs> having that high excitement for Luke to the low disappointment of having him barely be in it at all. So uh, it's going to be interesting, but I just hope if this does come to pass where that's it, it's going to, I mean, try not to let that be the negative that affects your opinion on the movie where the only thing you're thinking about is, Oh, Luke Skywalker was, barely in it and this, the movie sucks now and all that stuff like don't 
fault the movie for what it is instead of what you were expecting it to be. So it's got to try to keep that in check once this, if it does come to pass that this is his role in The Force Awakens. Well, you know what? I wouldn't even worry about that too much because if this does end up being true, and I still, you know, like I said, I'm still very doubtful about this, but um, like if that's the worst thing we can say about this movie is that there wasn't enough Luke Skywalker in it then I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah, um, that's true. But I know there's going to be lots of people out there who are really only going to be excited to see Luke Skywalker again. Sure. Sure. Amongst yeah. the general audience too. That's all, what they're mainly going to be looking forward, looking forward to. Yeah. But I mean, still, I mean, you know, some people complain about the prequels and say that, you know, Darth Maul was such a cool bad guy, but then you had to cut him in half at the end of the first movie. And we never even really got to like know him as a character that much. And, you know, of course this was before they brought him back on clone wars and everything, but they're like, Oh yeah, you, killed him off too soon and he should have stuck around for the whole prequel trilogy and I'm like i wish that was the biggest complaint people had about the prequels so you know yeah. if, the, if the biggest complaint about the force awakens is just that we didn't get to see enough of the character that we liked you know as long as there's no annoying characters or no badly written romantic dialogue or anything there's just you know the rest of it is cool stuff and everybody's like yeah i loved it but i just wish we'd see more of this i think we'll be in pretty good shape at that point that's true. That's a good positive way to put a spin on it. <laughs> so I got it more positively. Um, but yeah, I mean, take that with uh, your, I don't know, doctor recommended dose of salt. <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we've got another rumor from the guys at Making Star Wars, and this is um, a report that an actor named Robert Boulder might be playing a young Luke Skywalker in, you know, some flashback scenes or something from The Force Awakens. Um, and, you know, as, as we've said before, we both still kind of have our, um, I don't know, hesitations, I guess, on, on buying into these rumors about flashback sequences and all that. But it's possible. We have heard a lot of rumors about him, so... Uh, you know, it, it could happen if they use them well and it helps flesh out the story and, you know, show some cool stuff. I'm fine with it, I guess. But, uh, yeah, they, they've got a picture of this guy here in the article and he actually does look quite a bit like Luke, especially, um, you know, if you put him in, uh, I don't know if it would be like the all black outfit from Return of the Jedi or, you know, some Jedi robes or whatever, give him a lightsaber, um, and, uh, you know, put him in a Star Wars movie and say that it's Luke from, in between Empire and Jedi, or in between uh, Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, like, I'd buy it. Um, I, I can kind of see that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Just something yeah. interesting to think about. Something we probably won't get a definite answer on until we see the movie. Yeah, they're not going to reveal that, I would think. <laughs> but, yeah, it does look like a younger Mark Hamill, so we could definitely see it. And there was a report that Making Star Wars put about a flashback sequence that kind of described what it would be. I mean, it was a, where Luke was in a Jedi temple, but it was like it was in a flashback scene is where we see like surrounded by dead bodies and that kind of like makes them go in exile where that doesn't say why because there's really not the context of the descriptions that were given. But that's just kind of the visual of the flashback of Luke being surrounded by jet, dead bodies and then he, that's what goes into exile and like R2 is the last uh, person slash droid <laughs> or character I could say to see him. So, I mean, the report is kind of going uh, – a little bit more clear as far as Luke's presence in the movie because this came after the whole thing about him just being the final sequence. So they're saying that his only other appearance would be in this flashback sequence. So again, we'll all have to wait and see if this does come to pass. But 
uh, like we talked about before, it'll be a new thing for Star Wars if they do have flashback sequences. And, and it's something we, since we haven't seen too much of it already, we don't know how really it would fit in a Star Wars movie, but they could make it work and probably pull it off pretty well if we do get a flashback sequence. It would, not going to lie, it will be kind of weird to see someone else, whether how brief it may be, be like a young Luke Skywalker or a Princess Leia, because we know there's rumors about her being in a flashback sequence too, with possibly being played by Carrie Fisher's daughter. So we'll see. I mean, that's like a whole other separate flashback rumor we've heard a while ago. So hopefully the movie won't have too much flashbacks sequences because, I mean, whenever we get told about the history of Star Wars, it's always through someone telling a story or like Obi-Wan telling Luke about the Clone Wars and Anakin and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So we'll see how it's played out in here because I think in this description, it was kind of reported that um, uh, the character Rose, who's rumored to be played by Lupita Nyong'o, is kind of telling them what happens and they kind of have like a force vision uh sequence that has like shows what happened with luke and all that so we'll see if it's going to be through the force or if they start telling a story and then we just get a montage like a flashback stuff so we'll see if it all plays out we'll see if we get any of this uh if either clues or hints that we may see this at celebration i mean who knows what the footage we're going to get there so uh, should be interesting to say the least yeah by the way i mean we we've heard lots of different rumors about uh you know, Lupita Nyong'o's character and stuff and keep hearing that name Rose pop up. And I'm just like, if she really is playing like an exotic alien character, like they keep describing her as, I really highly doubt that Rose is going to be the final name of the character. Like that's gotta be a production code name, keeping things under wraps. Yeah. I totally think that's what it is. A code name. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be too basic for an alien character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also have to wonder with these flashbacks, like if they do end up going this route, um, is it going to be something where like you see close-ups of the character's face and they have any dialogue or anything like that? Or is it going to be something sort of like uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith when you see Tarkin on the bridge of the Star Destroyer with Vader and the Emperor and you kind of see him from a distance and mm-hmm. it's just sort of this, um, you know, it's kind of a, a quick scene um, and... You know, it's just a real brief appearance by him, and you don't really see him in any clear detail, but at the same time, you can clearly tell who that's supposed to be. And so obviously, without being able to use Peter Cushing or anything like that, um, you know, they can they, they were able to make this guy look pretty much exactly like Tarkin would have. Um, and so I'm thinking with, you know, if they use Luke and Leia in the flashbacks, they could probably do something like that if it's just sort of, um, you know, vague type stuff like that and not like... You know, we jumped to 30 years earlier and we see Luke having an in-depth discussion about with Leia about, you know, what they're going to do after they destroyed the Death Star. Yeah, that's another thing that just came to my mind. If it's something like how in Dark Knight Rises, where uh, there was a flashback sequence with the young Rachel Ghoul and they got the other actor play like the young Liam Neeson as him. And he looked pretty much like, almost like a dead ringer for him as he would probably be in that age. So he didn't have any dialogue or anything. But as the narration was going on, you see little footage of him like, going into the prison and just out in the desert. So maybe we'll get something like that where we'll see the characters or the actors' faces pretty clearly, but they don't necessarily have any dialogue or anything like that. Just quick little montages of showing what they're doing and telling the story that they need to tell at that moment. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Um, but, yeah, certainly some uh, you know interesting possibilities there. Um, we also got some new rumors about Leia as well. Um yeah, this one is actually kind of interesting to me because it goes into a little bit of how we were, the rumors we were talking about on previous episodes with like the Rebel Alliance's new secret weapon and how she like uh, 
reacts towards that. And it's basically kind of describing it here that she's proud of this weapon, which I've seen online too. A lot of fans were kind of wondering, well, that kind of sounds a little out of character for someone who saw firsthand the deadly weapon destroy her whole planet. I mean, even if it's something to fight against the Empire, you wouldn't think she'd be like too proud of a new super weapon that they developed. So I kind of like the idea we were talking about on previous episodes with the possibility of a third Death Star being there and but being reluctant to use it because of that. That kind of seems to fit her character more than like kind of being proud of this new super weapon they've had. So kind of goes back to what Vader said <laughs> in the conference room in a new world. Like, don't be too proud of this technological terror that you've constructed. So hopefully that's not the case, because I think it would sound a little bit out of character for her. But then it also kind of shows or describes like more of Han her's relationship kind of saying being a little awkward at first where they're still not getting along and um, they kind of have mentioned something that would be pretty cool where there's a sequence where when Han and Kylo Ren meet, uh, Leia has a, like it cuts to her and she feels a disturbance in the force. It's kind of still showing that she is force sensitive and has that connection to it. But it also says that there is no indication that she started a Jedi training or went down the path of a Jedi like Luke. So um, we'll see where her character descriptions goes or her characterization goes in the movie as we see it. But just a little more details I found interesting as far as that super weapon and still being in tune with the force. Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff in there. I mean, they've just got like a lot of bullet points about her character listed in this article. Um, of course, one interesting one that, uh, you know, might kind of be a, a counterpoint to the stuff about Luke we were just talking about. Um, it says Leia is elated when it appears that Luke has been found. Um, and it's like, well, if they don't find Luke until the very last shot of the movie, then how can we see Leia's reaction? Well, maybe if they find Luke sooner in the movie. Um, <laughs> so, you know, even here we've got conflicting reports and stuff going on, but, um, yeah, I mean, some interesting stuff here. Also some kind of rough sketches of, uh, her character, um, based on, uh, you know, just some things that we heard or based on some, some rumored, uh, like descriptions of concept art and stuff. Um, so some people have done sketches of that and they've got that on here. And I mean, as we said from the, the reports and stuff before, it definitely does look uh, very much like the rebel soldiers on the tent of four um, in a new hope. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. So I, I do hope they really like kind of go that route. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a cool look. Um, I've seen, a little, I think, um, was it for rebels finale? And, we're talking about some of the character designs for at the very end with some of those soldiers coming up. And I see a lot of tweets saying people complaining about how they didn't like the rebel soldiers in the new hope on the Tantive four at the beginning. Like really, I thought those costumes are really cool. Like the coolest outfits the rebel Alliance had, but I don't know if I'm in the minority there or if a lot of people don't like it as much as I thought they did, but I virtually think they look really cool. So if Leia kind of has an outfit that's in homage to those troops. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. I've at least, never really minded them um i mean i guess you can say those aren't really very soldier-like outfits um you know aside from the helmets they don't really have any armor or anything but yeah. then again when have we ever seen armor in star wars work anyways yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true <laughs> although i will say they they are doing that more on rebels i think and it's a very subtle thing but you'll see yeah. a scene where Zeb and Sabine will, you know, ambush a group of stormtroopers and just shoot them all up. And you're thinking like, oh, okay, they killed the stormtroopers. They're all dead. And then the rebels will be standing around talking afterwards. And you see the stormtroopers in the background still kind of like, 
you know, just moving his leg or kind of mm-hmm. slightly yeah. moving on the ground or whatever. Um, and of course my first thought is always like, oh, they're making this like, you know, more kid friendly and trying to be like, oh, they didn't actually kill the Imperials, but come on, they like shot him right in the chest with a blaster and stuff. Um, so I'm like, yeah, he should be dead. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe they're just showing that the armor in Star Wars actually works for once. So yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of how I accept it. The key word being for once. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not the first time because before this, before Rebels, the only, at least as far as I can think of, the only canon example of armor actually protecting somebody is in uh, in the Clone Wars, in the first episode where Savage Press gets you know, transformed by Mother Talos and gets all big and huge and everything. And then he goes to uh, the one play, Deveron, I think, and, uh, you know, there's a battle going on between clones and droids, and he just runs through the battle, slicing up everything with his big battle axe. And then a clone trooper shoots him, like, square in the chest, and, you know, he just shrugs off the blow and keeps running. And, you know, you see, like, the burn mark right in the middle of his chest. And I was, at the time, watching that episode, I was like, huh, some armor in Star Wars that actually works. Um but uh well you know what actually you maybe think of another episode where it worked in the deserter where that droid sniper shot rex in the chest oh Not yeah there. good he point. didn't die either yeah. yeah well except the shot still went clean through yeah but as far as fate, a fatal wounds so. yeah <laughs> it, it did its job in protecting the trooper yeah but uh yeah, it just know. it proves i guess clone or clone trooper armor is better than stormtrooper armor <laughs> at least in the movies <laughs> Well, at least now with what we're saying in Rebels, hopefully it'll change that. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. I guess maybe the Rebel Troopers should get some armor. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. At least they've got like the, the jungle camo and stuff on Endor. But um, yeah, so I mean, I guess the, the stuff that they wear on the Tanta 4 like, might not be very effective soldier gear, but it does kind of look, uh, I don't know, looks good as like futuristic space trooper outfits i guess i mean i don't really want to say trooper but you know it looks good for people like stationed on a a military vessel who aren't necessarily like the frontline combat kind of guys if that makes Mm. sense um but yeah i don't know um i mean i certainly wouldn't expect leia to necessarily run around and do any fighting uh in this movie um yeah, I wouldn't expect it to be wearing one of those helmets either that they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you fit your uh, your hair buns under that? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, some some interesting stuff on Leia there. Um, and once again, we'll, we'll see how this all pans out. Um, once again, go back to our old motto, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, and we'll be saying that a lot more even after episode seven comes out. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully after episode seven comes out, we can say we waited, we saw, and we loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be our new motto. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, all right. And then we, uh, we've we got another kind of small rumor here about uh, this actress, Maisie Richardson-Sellers, who we heard had been cast in The Force Awakens. Um, of course, this is Tim's favorite rumor to always uh. go back to because this is the actress <laughs> who was rumored to uh, have a part as Obi-Wan's granddaughter. Um, Which thankfully I haven't heard in a long, long time. 
yeah, I think that's kind of died down. And I think that was one of those ones that either came from some misinformation or from a possible idea that had been thrown around in an older draft of the script or from somebody just making up some crap to get people talking on the internet. Um, <laughs> like we do. <laughs> well, yeah. But see, we don't try to convince people that it's real. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't. You know, up... I'm definitely not regarding Obi-Wan's granddaughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you mean just people like us get talking, not people like us trying to make up rumors and stuff. Exactly. Um, But yeah, so I guess her page on this uh, Spotlight website that's for like actors and casting calls and all this kind of stuff, it lists uh, her credits as uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens and uh, lists her character name as Corsella. Um, So... I don't know. Take that how you want to take it. It, <laughs> it sounds know, like a Star Wars name. Pops up out there. It certainly does sound like a Star Wars name. Uh, doesn't have Kenobi anywhere in there, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because you don't have to have the same last name as your grandparents. You know, stuff changes through generations. But um, no, I, I still don't think that's going to happen. But um, yeah, so I don't know. Another uh, just small possible rumor on, uh, on who she might be playing. No information or details on that character at all. Although this has been, uh, I have seen some other stuff linking her to uh, one of the rumors in uh, going back to this Leia thing. Um, let's see, let me find this. Um, oh, yeah, where it's, it says Leia sends an emissary to Rose's planet. Um, and I've heard some stuff saying that that might be this character. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah, see. It could maybe like just be a role kind of like Padme's handmaidens or something like that. Yeah, very well. It could be. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I said, take that for what it is. Not much to go on there. Uh, moving on to the next thing, which is, uh, some possible, uh, you know, information about uh, when John Williams is going to be recording uh, the soundtrack for The Force Awakens. Um, he's recorded some stuff for, you know, the trailers so far, but, you know, they haven't recorded, like, the whole score for uh, the movie all the way through. And now there's some rumors that uh, that's going to be happening this summer. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Um, let's see, I'm just reading the article here. But, uh, I don't know, Tim, was there anything else of note for you in this? Um, nothing too big. I mean, we kind of probably expected that he would be recording in the summer with the winter release for the movie. So good to know that that looks like what's going to be the case. And the big thing was that it's possible that he's going to be going back to London to record it, which is where he recorded all the Star Wars films. But they've been saying he hasn't been back there in like almost 10 years or something like that. I mean, I think the last movie he did record there was Revenge of the Sith. So, and he's been scoring everything else in uh, Los Angeles. So maybe he wants to keep the Star Wars tradition up and go to record every movie there in London. So we'll see if he does. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if he does keep up the tradition. But if he doesn't, I think we can well understand why he doesn't want to make a trip uh, from Los Angeles to London. So either way, it's not going to be too big of a deal where he records it. But we just want to hear the music. <laughs> yeah. Although they also do mention in this article that um... – Composer Mark Grisky, who does, uh, he's done a lot of music for like Star Wars video games and stuff. He worked on uh, the Force Unleashed games and the Old Republic and uh, I think did the music for like KOTOR 2. Um, But anyway, uh, he mentioned in a recent interview that uh, John Williams had already written the themes for the movie before Christmas. Um, Now that doesn't necessarily surprise me. because, you know, he could be working on, like, writing themes and stuff this whole time, but then you kind of have to see 
at least like a rough cut of the film to be able to sort of write the whole score and just know like which pieces of music are going to go where and how long it needs to be and all that kind of stuff. But to have just sort of the, the basic themes written, um, yeah, I'm sure he's had that done for a while, which is just one other aspect of a new Star Wars movie that gets me super excited that I usually I mean, tend to not think about a whole lot just because that's not one thing we hear a whole lot of rumors about. You know, it's all about the casting and the plot and details and all that kind of stuff. But and when you consider the fact that even if it hasn't been recorded yet, like John Williams has written new themes for a new Star Wars movie. I'm like, I need to hear that now. Yes. <laughs> I know. Getting that soundtrack is a big part of the hype when you're waiting for a new Star Wars movie. So it usually comes out like a month, I would say, before, or at least like three weeks or so before the movie comes out. So hopefully in November we'll be getting here to hear the whole new soundtrack for The Force Awakens. Because, yeah, hearing John Williams' music for a new Star Wars movie is a big part of being excited for it and just part of your um, leading up to your hype and just excitement to seeing the movie. I think that's probably like the last big thing is you hear the soundtrack and that just gets you all ready to go to go in that movie theater and see a new Star Wars movie. Yeah, although the question is, I mean, do you listen to the soundtrack ahead of time or you know, wait, just wait to hear it with the movie for the first time? So yeah, for the prequels, I've listened to the soundtracks before the movies came out. I'll probably do the same with this one. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to change my uh, process of how I do it. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's going to be tough for me. Like, I ideally, I would probably want to just wait until the movie comes out. I mean, that's what I've been doing for a lot of other movies recently. Like I've got all the soundtracks for all the Hobbit movies, but I waited until I had seen the movie before I listened to all those. Um, but, oh man, that is going to be so tempting though. A lot of the times the way the track listing is for the soundtracks, but it's not in how order the movie plays out. So you may be hearing songs that are like out of order or sequences from the movie that are playing out of order than from what you hear in the soundtrack to what you'll see in the movie. Yeah. The prequel ones were <laughs> totally like out of order for that. But see, that drives me nuts because mm. then once I've seen the movie and I'm listening to the soundtrack, I want to listen to it in the order that you hear them in the movie. Yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> like on my, uh, on my iTunes, I've got a whole playlist of just Star Wars music and I've got all the prequels, the, the prequel trilogy soundtracks arranged uh, you know, basically instead of just having them in album order, I've like rearranged all of them in this playlist so that it's in chronological order from the movie as close as I can get it. Cause sometimes the tracks will jump, you know, on one track, it'll be like something from the beginning of the movie. And then suddenly it's something from the middle of the movie. And I'm like, Oh, why couldn't they just make that two separate tracks? I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part about, like you said, using iTunes, you can rearrange them the order and track listing that you want. But the ideal way was for them to release because like they did for the special edition releases and then only for episode one. But I really wish they did it for episodes two and three where they released that. Um, I forget exactly what it's called. But it's that other edition of the soundtrack that plays in order from the movie and pretty much has everything you hear in the movie, you hear in the, that soundtrack, which is oh, really yeah. great. Yeah. And I've got that for I've got all of those for the the original trilogy. Mm. Um, I don't have the one for the Phantom Menace because they don't have that on iTunes. Um, yeah, and that's been out of print for a while, I think. Yeah, that seems like something they just kind of swept under the rug or whatever, I guess. I don't yeah, know. it's a shame because there's a lot of great songs that you didn't hear on the actual episode one soundtrack, like uh, Qui-Gon and Darth Maul's uh, Fight in the Desert. I don't think that's on the official episode one soundtrack that came out first. Yeah, like now that you mention it, I'm trying to think if it's on there somewhere, but I don't 
think so. Um, yeah, pretty sure it's not because like I did the same thing on my iTunes playlist. I created an order of how chronologically the episode one plays out, and I stuck that one right in the middle <laughs> where it should go, even though it's not on the real soundtrack. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we have heard about these you know, these plans that they have for maybe doing some sort of big Star Wars digital media release at some point this year. Uh, where they'll be releasing the movies online for the first time, and we might finally get some Star Wars Detours episodes. So who knows? Maybe along with that, we could get some deluxe edition prequel trilogy soundtracks, and I would snap up all of those in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, you want to hear as much of that stuff as you can. Yeah, definitely. Um, so something else here, uh, and this was pretty cool, um, Adam Driver uh, is doing an auction for charity where he's auctioning off uh, a signed photo of that original, you know, it's a, a framed uh, photo of that first cast photo uh, with all of them doing the table read, um, signed not just by Adam Driver, but by all the cast, including, well, maybe not, you know, every single member of the cast, but all the main cast in that uh, in that photo um, along with uh, Lawrence Kasdan, J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy, and um, also Lupita Nyong'o and Gwendolyn Christie, who aren't in the photo because they were cast shortly after that. But, um, I mean, this is really cool, and he's doing it, uh, I believe, for uh, this charity that he works with that uh, helps bring, like, arts and entertainment to the armed forces. Um, so, uh, super good cause and a super awesome, uh, you know, piece of Star Wars history here because... Um, you know, people, lots of people are going to have, you know, signed autographed pictures and stuff and get to, you know, meet some of the cast members at Celebration and all that kind of thing. But to have, like, the very first photo that they released from the movie and have a, a frame print of that signed by everybody involved, like, that is something really special and really cool. It's also something really expensive. So if you happen <laughs> yeah. to have an extra $15,000 lying around, the current bid on the website um, – yeah, if you want to place a bid, it says the minimum bid is fifteen thousand two hundred fifty, um, and that wasn't like what Adam Driver just decided to start it at. That's uh, you know somebody bid that much because um, I checked this like maybe a few days or a couple weeks ago or whatever it was that it was first announced, and um, it was like somewhere around ten thousand or something like that. So um, <laughs> uh, is yeah. that all? Because I think I got fifteen grand just lying around in my drawer right now. I could maybe squeeze it in to get this painting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that in spare change lying around in my sock drawer. Yeah, <laughs> but geez, man, if you were able to get that, you're gonna have one of a kind item, man. Because that photo is already iconic to me. It was such a great image, but to have it signed by pretty much the whole cast and everyone in that photo, geez, I mean, you're gonna have something no other Star Wars fan will have. And like I said, it goes for a great cause. So, but yeah not too sure how many star wars fans are gonna be bidding on this with it being fifteen thousand two hundred and fifty dollars right now but uh you can at least uh hopefully save an image of that uh, painting on your computer i mean that shit photo on the computer just look at it but <laughs> yeah better than nothing yeah um all right well before we get to the end of the movie stuff here and we're not quite at the end but um done with all the rumors and that kind of stuff uh, pertaining to the movie itself, uh, the last rumors we have to talk about deal with uh, what we might see in the next trailer for The Force Awakens. So, uh, yeah, J.J. Abrams, like, hosted, a, I guess, hosted a party in California recently. Um, and, uh, you know, he talked a little bit about The Force Awakens, 
Um, you know, obviously still not revealing a whole lot of details, but he talked about, um, you know, when we might see uh, the next uh, you know, next trailer or next look at the footage or anything like that. Basically, he says, uh, you know, it, it's not so much about when we show it as making sure that, uh, you know, we're showing the right stuff and making sure that um, we're not disappointing the fans and that we're, uh, you know, making progress on the movie. And then when we do show a trailer or whatever that, uh, you know, we show exciting stuff and show stuff that uh, is going to be worth the wait for the fans. Um, but also, you know, continually saying that, uh, you know, he's really grateful to that people are that interested and that, uh, you know, people really want to see as much of this as possible. But, um, I like the word he used saying he has an abundance of riches of footage to show. Oh, absolutely. It, it just makes you wonder and like, be excited for what we're going to be getting in celebration, man, because uh, <laughs> an abundance of riches is the whole movie in my mind. So, Well, yeah, I'm like, of course he has an abundance of riches. He's directing a freaking Star Wars movie. Yeah, so I was going to say, imagine a little this, bit of the riches around. Imagine the stuff that's not going to be in the movie. That's another abundance of riches stuff on the cutting room floor. So <laughs> he's seen tons of gold. <sighs> Tim, why do you even have to get me going off on that? You know, thinking about like deleted scenes and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because <laughs> honestly, I mean that's that's part of the fun of um, you know speculating about new Star Wars movies and stuff is like after you know after you've seen the movie and then you hear start hearing rumors about like um, you know these different you know originally there was supposed to be this whole subplot or this whole different plot line or this could have been completely different. Um, I mean, even, you know, if you remember in episode three, apparently there was some subplot that got cut out where, you know, Anakin started getting jealous and suspecting that Obi-Wan and Padme were, you know, romantically involved behind his back or something like that. Yeah. Um, and on the one hand, you know, it seems kind of ridiculous because it's like, well, why would Obi-Wan do that? But on the other hand, it's like, you know, just kind of interesting to think about like, oh, that's a whole different element they could have added to the movie that, uh, you know, you never would even think about just watching Revenge of the Sith the way it is now. I know there's like a lot, especially in Revenge of the Sith. I think tons of like plot details that Lucas didn't go with. I mean, there's the one where like Sidious reveals to Anakin that like I actually created you through the midi chlorines and all that stuff, and then the Han Solo a little bit that was supposed to be in there. So who knows what's going to be in the Force Awakens? I mean, like I said before, I can't wait to get that making of Episode Seven book when it comes out, whether it's a year from the movie or a few months. But it's going to be an awesome read, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, ideally, and you know, I probably will never get this chance but i'd love to like watch the movie and then get a chance to go back and like read george lucas's original treatments read michael arndt's script yeah and then you know read jj abrams and Lawrence kasdan's script and even see like how that was different from the final finished film i know yeah i want to know all that stuff eventually like how different was it as the different scripts and the different drafts got written like how much did it change over the course of time gonna find that stuff very fascinating yeah, so hopefully we uh, you know get some details on that stuff over time. But um, you know, for now we're just focused on the movie itself, and uh, you know all that stuff will come later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then uh, there's also a new rumor at uh, I guess it's from Star Wars Seven News where this originated, um, and they're basically giving a description of uh, what they think we might see in the second trailer. Uh, for The Force Awakens, which, of course, we're all expecting to see at Celebration. Um, and I don't know, it's funny, because when the, when we were expecting the first teaser, 
Um, I was like, I don't want to read any spoilers on this. I mean, I, I read a little bit of stuff. Um, I remember reading that like it was going to end with a shot of the Millennium Falcon or something. But I mean, after reading maybe like one or two little descriptions of it, um, then, you know, we kept seeing like more and more stuff come out and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to ignore this and like, just wait to see it for myself and be surprised. But then when I saw this one, I was like, you know what, what the heck, I'm just going to dive in. Um, maybe it's because, you know, we expect the second trailer to be longer and have a lot more stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, because there's so many more details and things, I won't remember all this by the time I see actually see the trailer anyways. Um, but I mean, from the, from the description here, I won't necessarily go over everything, but it looks like Tim, you might finally get to see your, uh, your destroyed ATAT. Yes. <laughs> um, it sounds like we might hear some, some voiceover from Lupita Nyong'o's character this time instead of Andy Serkis. Um, we'll see, uh, you know, Ray and Finn and, uh, you know, all the other main characters. We'll see Kylo Ren's mask this time around. Um, and we will see, uh, you know, Han and Luke and Leia, um, which, you know, a lot of people were, uh, you know, disappointed they were missing from the first trailer. But, uh, I mean, just based on these descriptions, they mention Han, Leia, R2, 3PO, uh, Chewie even. Um, and then the final shot uh, of the trailer is a close-up of a hooded head looking up to reveal Luke. Um, now, again, this is all... Uh, you know, just kind of hearsay and like, oh, someone close to the project, you know, said that this might be what it is. And um, I think, Tim, you even were telling me earlier that you had heard, you know, conflicting reports after this with some people saying it's true. Some people saying like, no, no, that's not what's going to be in it. Um, yeah, but, I, I mean, I, either way, it should be exciting because they said this is like a, mm, I forget what they said the length of this is, but it's longer than the first trailer and, you know, shows a lot more shots and things like that. Yeah, I know because um, Star Wars 7 News has gotten like two separate uh, reports or emails from their sources saying what they saw. So that's kind of leading to like, okay, it's not just one guy, but it's like from several different people who are saying it. But then um, you get like, some conflicting reports. Like, I think Megan Star Wars is saying that from his sources, he's confirmed that this uh, trailer description isn't accurate. And like the Indie Revolver said the same thing. So yeah, kind of some conflicting stuff. But at the same time, we really don't know until we're going to see this trailer. Some of the, a lot of the scripts of it where it does kind of maybe make you think a little bit where it is a lot of the description is from some of the concept art and rumors we've been hearing lately. So when I read that, like, yeah, it's going to be cool to see this stuff again, like the ATAT. I mean, <laughs> you know how much I love that concept art image and to see that in the trailer before you actually see it in the movie would be awesome. So, but I don't know if it's kind of a thing where that is true or if maybe it's just someone kind of basing this information or this description off of what they've seen from the concept art and rumors and they're just sending it out like this. So who knows? Like if it was any rumor, we don't know until we see it. But some of the stuff did sound cool. I'm not going to lie. Like that AT-18 and how Luke gets revealed. I think they also said too that the saber color was uh, green in this description, which kind of goes yeah. against what we saw in some of the other concept art words of Anakin's lightsaber. So who knows? I mean, we don't have that much longer to wait when we get to celebration. So <laughs> we'll know for sure in about a month or so if this was accurate or not. But, yeah, I mean, seeing this description that the, the blade is green, I'm like, oh, yes, please let that be true. Because then suddenly, you know, all these rumors that we've heard about, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the points of the movie being them trying to return Luke's lightsaber to him and all that. Um, it's like if it's the green one, that would be so much better because then it's just like – 
Mm. You know, he he went off and did his Jedi stuff after Return of the Jedi, and somehow, you know, something happened to him. He lost his lightsaber. These characters find it, and now they're trying to find out who it belongs to and get it back to him, rather than the idea that, you know, the lightsaber from, or, you know, Anakin's lightsaber that, uh, you know, Luke had when his hand got cut off on Bespin somehow fell all the way down through the Bespin ventilation tubes and then fell out into the clouds and then somehow ended up in space and then floated all the way to Tatooine and just happened to fall down and, you know, crash land onto the planet and the characters find it and, you know, the the sooner we can do away with all that severed hand nonsense, the better. Um, you know, thankfully we haven't heard any of those rumors in quite a while. Um, I'm glad that one's kind of died down. But uh, yeah, I, I think this, this is pretty cool because I think that's the first time we've heard this, at least recently, that it was going to be uh, you know green and not blue. But I think that makes a lot of sense. See, I'm on the opposite end of that. And it's not just because blue is my favorite color and they look better <laughs> as lightsabers than the green ones. But I just think the fact that it is Anakin's lightsaber, that it holds like such significance, that that's what's going to be used as like the MacGuffin of the movie. And just like maybe it's the will of the force without lightsabers being found by these different people. And then it has to go back to loot. I just like the fact that it's, it's Anakin. I mean, it's having a, a long history of all what that lightsaber has been through from Anakin uh, from the Clone Wars to Luke and then now what we're going to see in The Force Awakens so that's why I'm still kind of hoping it's the blue one in Anakin's lightsaber just because I think it be like has much more significance to, to it than I think Luke's green ones does yeah I don't know I mean I agree with the significance aspect of it but just the the logistics of how it got there I think that's going to be a stumbling block for a lot of people I just say it's the will of the Force and it'll go over fine <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I can I can kind of buy into that. And I will say I've been thinking about that a little bit more lately with uh, especially like with uh, the Clone Wars and the Young Jedi arc where you see them build their lightsabers. And then in Star Wars Rebels where um, Ezra gets his lightsaber crystal. And I mean, basically, they're kind of pushing more in the direction that these aren't just energy crystals that the Jedi use to build, you know, their, their tools as laser swords, but it really is, uh, kind of pushing more the idea that like even the crystals within the lightsabers are force sensitive and that each Jedi really is in tune with their own lightsaber, not just because it's your weapon and you know the feel of it or whatever, but because there's like something inside the weapon itself that's like resonating with the force. I think that's a kind of cool idea. And then, um, you know, so I'm like, oh, okay, well, in that case, maybe it could be influenced a little bit to be like, you know, if they find this weapon, it's the will of the force or whatever. But still, like, that crystal doesn't have a hyperdrive on it that can shoot it from Bespin to Tatooine. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe so. it didn't go that way. Someone found it or got to someone on Bespin or somewhere or somehow, and then it just travels like as the years go by, like it has different owners or something like that. But what you were saying about the lightsabers and how it's so important to a Jedi of that they, that connection to them through the Force. And not to go on a totally different rant, but that goes into a point where like a big complaint I had with uh, Star Wars number two from the new line of Marvel comics. Have you read that one yet, Kyle? I have not read that one yet. Okay, because there's just a moment there with Vader and that lightsaber that I was like, scratch my head a little bit, where like he doesn't recognize it right away. It's like, eh. <laughs> I think he would have recognized it right away once he had it in his hand. So like, because it brings up the point, like. It would, your weapon is your life, that line Obi-Wan says to Anakin. And then what we learned, like you said, in the Clone Wars and Rebels, it's so important, significant to a Jedi that they'd remember that. But 
Yeah, that's a whole other tangent I can go off on, but I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, well, to be fair, he did only have that lightsaber for, I don't know, something less than three years. Or I guess maybe like three and a half years if he if he built that one right after episode two, after his other one got you know chopped in half in the Geonosis factory. Um, the... Uh... Mm, that's a good point too. Because he didn't, have the, he didn't <laughs> yeah. have that same lightsaber in Episode Two, um, and so he would have had it, you know, built it at some point during the Clone Wars. Had it in Episode Three, and then obviously he doesn't have it at the end of that movie because he leaves it behind. Well, Obi Wan picks it up, you know, after he chops his hands off and he falls into the lava. So yeah, that's a really good point. I I totally <laughs> forgot about that be taking place in Episode Two or busted, but I still think that's still a long enough period for you to have a connection with it as a Jedi. So, but it does give a little more credence to what you were saying. So, uh, it's, I'm still not too happy with how that comic played out, but I guess it makes it a little bit more easier for me to take, but still not fully. <laughs> yeah, he, he got over the breakup. He moved on. Yeah. <laughs> He's been with his new one for 20 years. Uh, maybe, maybe. But, um, yeah, so the other big news that uh, came out yeah, just about a week ago um, regarding The Force Awakens and the movies and stuff is we finally got some information about sort of how they're going to fill in that story gap in between Episode 6 and Episode 7. And it's going to be through this whole uh, big publishing series of books and uh, you know, adult novels and young reader novels and all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's going to be this whole story, whole series called Journey to the Force Awakens um, that's going to start releasing this fall, you know, during the whole build-up to the movie and everything. Um, and it's going to be at least 20 books. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be this huge push. But again, it's going to be, you know, kids' books and, uh, you know, young adult and teen novels and stuff. And then um, as well as, like, the the Del Rey, um, you know, the, the adult Star Wars novels that we're used to. We've got just one of those announced so far, and it's going to be called Star Wars Aftermath. Um, and that's going to be uh, sort of an epilogue to the prequel trilogy. Um, but then there's also, I mean, just some of the other names that have been announced so far. Um, we've got one called Moving Target. Uh, we've got a Han Solo novel, uh, book, I believe, uh, like a, a young novel, um, trying to find all the, the art, uh, book titles and stuff here in this article, but, um, and certainly yeah. a ton of stuff and, you know, a lot of content here. I know, totally. I mean, it was mainly so far the stuff we got were like the young adult stuff. And like you mentioned, the one novel was the aftermath one. But I mean, they haven't even mentioned like stuff from like sticker books into like uh, storybook type stuff. So there's going to be a big old range of uh, different books to get young readers and new fans caught up to the Star Wars saga leading up to The Force Awakens. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I would like to say I want to get all of them since they made a point to say um, that most of these books are going to have hints or clues and stuff that we can expect in The Force Awakens. And being all in canon now, you'd kind of want to get as much information on this era of Star Wars that's going to fill the gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. But then again, these some of these books might be like way, way too like oriented for kids where you can maybe just get a quick description of it to find out what exactly happened or what is hinted at The Force Awakens. So, But some of like the young adult stuff and the novels and stuff I'd probably want to check out. Because I think um, just today, making Star Wars posted some uh, descriptions for like the ones that centering on Luke, 
Han and Leia, I think Luke is, takes place between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, where like him and C-3PO and R2 are stranded on a mysterious planet, and he has his first ever lightsaber duel. And with Han and Chewie, it's that's set between the same time period as well, where they're um, on the run, or they're on the team-up uh, with some other ones, uh, like a top-secret mission for the Rebellion, and then uh, there's also clues for The Force Awakens there. That's like... Listed on all the descriptions in the Princess Leia, Han, and Luke, they're like all—all all these are going to have clues to the Force Awakens. So, but Leia's is a little different. Where hers takes place between Empire and Jedi, where it says she like uh, leads a ragtag group of rebels on a dangerous mission against the Galactic Empire. So, some stuff that well, at least with the original trilogy characters, they're not all going to take place post Jedi and uh, pre the Force Awakens. Going to take place in like different eras throughout the the main Star Wars saga. So. Should be interesting to say the least. We'll see if uh, all of them, or I should say more curious to see how much these type of books are going to fill in the gaps for The Force Awakens, just how much clues there's going to be. There's going to be like one small thing, but on the cover it's going to say, um, like, uh, must read for, like, a must read for fans waiting for The Force Awakens, but then it has like one little thing that <laughs> won't be that significant. So I'm sure that might be the case for some of them, but hopefully the most of them will have some significant information or uh stories that revolve around like the state of the galaxy during this time i mean the big one for that is the one called uh the lost stars which we've heard rumors about before when we started hearing the first reports about this like new uh planned uh book and publication releases where it's kind of like a romeo and juliet type thing where, where like someone from the empire and the rebellion they uh like they fall in love but then and they're on separate sides and now they have to see how they will like either follow their uh feelings or they will like follow their duties for their alliances that they have whether from the rebellion or the empire so that one takes place post return of the jedi i believe so um that one should be probably the more interesting one of the descriptions we've gone so far i mean there's over 20 books and we've really only got about four or five so but that's the one that caught my interest most just because it's set in an area an era that's hasn't been explored at all in canon now of course we got all the eu novels but probably the first one of the first, anyway, stories are going to read post-Return of the Jedi before we see The Force Awakens. So that's probably the most interesting one I've read a description for right now. Yeah, and those are all some of the, the young adult novels, like The Lost Stars, uh, mm. The Weapon of the Jedi, um, Smuggler's Run, a Han Solo adventure, and then uh, Moving Target is the Princess Leia one. Um, also, one thing I thought was really cool in this, uh, <laughs> The Lost Stars in the description here, the mention the names of the two main characters is Sienna Ree and Thane Kyrell, which I just thought Thane Kyrell sounded like a really cool character name anyways. But then also Kyrell was the name of my very first character that I ever created in Star Wars, the old Republic. So <laughs> I was like, they used my name in there, even though, you know, they probably never saw it anyways, but um, I, don't know, I thought that was cool. You never know. Someone from the story group could have been playing nice little Republic or has like registered stuff from like Bioware where they have all the information of their name and they needed to pick out some type of Star Wars name for this <laughs> novel. They go, I oh, you know what, Kyrell sounds good. We'll use that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, but then also, uh, apparently, there's a description on Barnes and Noble's website for um, what was it the uh, Star Wars Aftermath? I forgot the name of it there for a minute, but um, yeah. So the the Star Wars Aftermath, which is going to be the at least the one adult novel that's been announced so far in this group um and so the website or the description here they've got on the website says uh the second death star is destroyed the emperor and his powerful enforcer darth vader are rumored to be dead the galactic empire is in chaos 
Across the galaxy, some systems celebrate, while in others, Imperial factions tighten their grip. Optimism and fear reign side by side, and while the Rebel Alliance engages the fractured forces of the Empire, a lone Rebel scout uncovers a secret Imperial meeting. Dot, dot, dot. So, um, you know, it doesn't really give us a whole lot to go on in terms of, like, the plot and everything, but just sort of setting the stage for it, and it definitely does sound like it's, uh, you know, probably be a direct follow-up to Return of the Jedi and see sort of the repercussions of the galaxy and how both the Rebellion and the Empire deal with uh, the loss of Vader and the Emperor and everything like that. So that sounds like a pretty cool one. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, like I said, eventually down the line, I'd like to get most of these books, but I think the first ones I'm going to make priority are the one that takes place post-Jedi and pre-The Force Awakens, which I'm sure a lot of Star Wars fans are going to put their interest first over some of the other ones that we're going to get. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and... I mean, man, just can't wait to see, you know, if there are even more novels that come out before the movie or, you know, sort of around that time or maybe shortly after, um, just as we slowly get to sort of fill in that gap and figure out everything that happened in between. But also, like you said, I mean, they they announced or sort of just said with this announcement that there's going to be, um, you know, sort of Easter eggs and little tidbits of information in there that um, build up to the force awakens. But, um, I mean, I've read a quote from somebody somewhere saying that it's not really going to be, it's not going to be stuff where it it sort of jumps out from the pages and it's like, Oh yeah, this is something that's going to be in uh, episode seven, but it's like, uh, you know, little stuff that you won't realize that it was an Easter egg until you see the movie. Um, you know, it might just be like a, a character name or a place or, uh, you know, stuff like that, that then yeah. might appear in the movie and you're like, Oh, I already read about that in the book. So I know what that place is, or I know who that person is, or I know that battle that they're referencing or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be stuff that this is for like hardcore fans that are reading all this stuff. Just get a little something extra when they're watching the movie. Like, Oh, that's cool. That took place in that story, which I always love when stuff like that happens. Yeah. So that'll be pretty cool. I mean, kind of like how, um, you know, George Lucas included uh, Ayla Sakura in episode two and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Obi-Wan name drops Quinlan Voss in episode three. And yeah. you know, those are characters who originated from the comic books. Like they weren't even George Lucas's original creations, but he liked the characters so much and, uh, you know, knew that the fans really liked those characters. And so he decided to incorporate them into the movies. And so for people who were just fans of the movies and hadn't read the comics, it was like, oh, okay, cool. We got new characters. And apparently there's somebody named Master Voss that, you know, we don't know who that guy is. But, um, you know, fans of the comics were like, oh, cool. They actually like, included those characters in here. So. Yeah, so that's little stuff cool. like that's going to be awesome for us fans to get a kick out of. When we yeah, see although I guess I have to correct myself. Quinlan Voss was in the movies originally, but he was just like a background extra guy. And then the people who wrote the comic books were like, that guy looks cool. Let's make up a whole backstory about him, that he was really like another Jedi that was undercover on Tatooine at the time and stuff. So, Yeah, I think that when Lucas was filming that scene in Phantom Menace, he didn't have him as a Jedi undercover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, I think that's about going to wrap it up for all the Episode 7 and spinoff movie talk. Um, now, before we get into talking about the big uh, Star Wars Rebels finale and all that good stuff, um, we've, of course, got to talk some Battlefront for a little bit here, get all excited for that. 
Um, and, you know, recently, uh, the GDC game developers conference was going on and, uh, apparently EA showed some, uh, you know, some actual gameplay footage of Battlefront behind closed doors to a, you know, a small private audience. So unfortunately we haven't seen anything yet, but, um, I mean, it sounds like the, the reaction to this was overwhelmingly positive and got a standing ovation and it wasn't just, you know, this isn't just rumors or kind of hearsay from people at the conference, like, um, I think who was it? Uh, Peter Moore, uh, who is, you know, an executive at, uh, EA, um, you know, was like tweeting about it and, uh, said that, you know, the, he tweeted like pictures of himself with members of the 501st and stormtrooper costumes and stuff and said that they were going to be showing off, uh, new Force Awakens footage or Force Awakens, oh, new man, Battlefront that, footage. That. <laughs> um, yeah, showing off new Battlefront footage, like uh, and it was you know, like I said, at, at a GameStop, like behind closed doors. So it sounds like it wasn't even at the main site of uh, you know wherever the convention was going on. But um, I mean, on the one hand, I don't know. I'm kind of bummed that other people have seen new Battlefront footage, and I'm like, why haven't I gotten to see this yet? But on the other hand, it's exciting to know that the game is, you know, it's coming along well. Supposedly, you know, I think we can assume it's on track if they've got, um, you know, some good-looking gameplay footage to be able to show people and to just hear that it got a really positive reaction um, just makes me super excited. And like I said, I'm still uh, fairly hopeful, optimistic, certain that we'll see that, you know, hopefully we'll get to see this stuff for the first time at celebration in about a month. So, um, yeah. Oh man, just can't wait to see this. I know it's starting to make me wish I was still a GameStop employee. <laughs> Maybe I could have <laughs> worked my way over there somehow to see this footage, but yeah, it was cool that they showed it behind closed doors. But, um, I remember reading too that since it was shown behind closed doors to just a few people, like maybe they were just doing it at the start of GDC, and by the time like it's getting close to ending, they will show it to the public and kind of like show one last thing for it. But unfortunately, it never happened. So more than likely, we definitely at E3, but like you said, we're hopefully get some more <laughs> first looks at it at celebration, which is uh, just a few weeks away now, like we've been saying. But yeah, just to see the actual gameplay footage for it is going to be so sweet. I mean, especially from the reports we were hearing from this where they got a standing ovation from those who saw it. So, and it's going to look awesome. I just can't wait to see it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's like just wishful thinking on my part, but I have to think like if they're showing it off at a game, you know, at, at a big gaming event like this, um, but showing it behind closed doors, I'm like, if they were going to show more, well, I'm sure we'll show more at E3 anyways, but like the stuff they showed here, if they were going to show that at E3, like, why not just show it off here to the public? You know what I mean? Like if it was that good and if people loved it. Um, so, I mean, I'm thinking like maybe, you know, Disney wants them to wait till celebration to have it be part of like the big star Wars hype and everything, but they wanted to show it to a small audience at a gaming convention first to see like how the gaming industry professionals and all that, you know, those kind of people reacted to it and not just the hardcore star Wars fans who were going to go nuts, like no matter what they showed. But, um, yeah, it makes me think too, that probably what they showed at GDC is probably gonna be the same thing they'll show at celebration at anaheim and then yeah. maybe more stuff at e3 yeah that's what i would uh would probably bet on uh but i'm still um, hoping to some playable demos at celebration because that would be awesome you put that with some uh, star wars battle pods <laughs> on the convention floor oh yeah enough time playing those games <laughs> and then you would probably do some other convention stuff yeah like i mean I, i'm sure they probably will have a battle pod there somewhere but I mean, I'm I'm not 
holding my breath, I guess, you know, expecting that we'll get to play a live Battlefront demo there, but that would just be like the best thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that that happens, but I'm not necessarily counting on it. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll be a nice surprise. Yeah. Oh man. That would be like the best surprise. <laughs> um, and yeah. I'll just know if uh, we ever get separated at the convention and wondering where you're at, I'll know exactly where to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because if I'm not there, then, you know, by the time I'm like, huh, where's Tim? And I go look for you, then I'll just go down there. And that's where you were looking yeah. for me. And that'll just be the one place where we both knew to look. Hey, funny to bump into you over here. <laughs> of course, the other thing, too, I mean, I'm easy to find in crowds because my head sticks up above everybody. But, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so you'll just see the, the one head sticking up above everybody else in front of the TVs playing Battlefront. <laughs> oh, there's Kyle. Then we'll have to drag you away from the kiosk or whatever it is. <laughs> and, and I'll be like, no. <laughs> or we'll have to like make up some lie. Hey, Kyle, they're showing more exclusive Force Awakens footage. Come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would buy that. Yeah. Because <laughs> if they were, then I would be like, then why are there still so many people over here playing Battlefront? Because we're getting an exclusive look at it, just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> now there's wishful thinking right there. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Although, I don't know. I mean, I've said it before. The The best part is not just going to be seeing the new footage, but it's going to be seeing it with a whole bunch of other people and just having everybody go nuts. And so... You know, it might even be, it would be kind of less fun if it was just the two of us. Maybe less then, fun, but man, how special would you feel? Because <laughs> then we'd kind of seem just like a couple of idiots screaming our heads off in <laughs> you know, a room going crazy for some Star Wars stuff. And when it's, you know, thousands of people, then it's like, hey, everybody's doing it. So I'm not crazy. <laughs> and no one would probably believe us anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, of course they wouldn't because it's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but we can dream um so anyways uh man let's talk about this star wars rebels uh season finale um (laughs) fire across the galaxy i mean where do we even start with this i don't know ahsoka's back vader's back pretty much everything that we had speculated was gonna happen happened but it was still really cool to see it anyways um, yeah. you know, of course, Ahsoka is revealed as the, the true identity of Fulcrum. Um, I, I guess the only thing I was disappointed by in the episode was that they spoiled the Vader reveal so far ahead of time because I was, you know, because they told us ahead of time that he was going to be in it. I was expecting him to play a little bit larger of a role in the episode. But, you know, when when just the very last scene of the episode is him stepping off the ramp of a shuttle and that's it. Um, you know, I was like. Even though I, I probably would have expected that anyways, like if they hadn't officially confirmed it ahead of time, just that would have been so much cooler. Um, but yeah, it was still it was still awesome nonetheless. You just hear that that breath and then you know hear the Imperial March as he's stepping off the shuttle and it's like, oh, it's about to go down dark Vader's here. <laughs> Um, Man, but, what a great way to end the season with that image of this Darth Vader's face walking to the screen and it just goes black <laughs> so yeah. that's how you end the season on a high note but. yeah and that's exactly what they've kind of been teasing all along when uh, you know in all these interviews and stuff Dave Filoni has been saying stuff like um, yeah you know the heroes start with the Inquisitor and then as the, the more trouble they cause and the more successful they are sort of the more 
attention they're going to gain of, uh, you know, people higher and higher up in uh, sort of the imperial power structure. Um, and that's exactly what we see towards the end yep. of the season as Tarkin shows up and then now, you know, end the season with Vader, you know, about to uh, take things into his own hands on Lothal. So can't wait to see how that plays out in season two. Um, but man, I mean, just the, the whole rest of this episode was uh, just way cool. I mean, from uh, like, I love the way they tied together some stuff from earlier in the season. Um, Mm -hmm. when, you know, Ezra goes to, or I guess that was in the episode before when Ezra goes to, uh, Visago for help. Um, but then also like in the season finale, when they bring back that tie fighter, that Ezra and Zeb stole, um, and, uh, I, oh man, I feel like there was something else. I should have watched the episode again before we recorded, but, um, I don't know. It just had like a, a really great sense of, you know, sort of conclusion and sort of wrapping up the whole season. Um, and then also, I mean, that lightsaber duel between Kanan and the Inquisitor, like how awesome was that? Yeah, man. <laughs> Definitely the best of the series. And even like one of the best lightsabers fights we've seen, like from this and Clone Wars, it was really well choreographed with a lot of cool stuff with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was definitely... we've seen stuff we've never seen before with, too much with a Jedi with Kanan when he has Ezra's lightsaber. He's charging with the Inquisitor with it with his blade up, and then he just goes straight to the blaster and starts shooting at him, and then goes back to the blade. Now, that stuff was awesome. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was funny how Ezra is the one who designed the lightsaber to be able to fire those stun blasts, but then to see Kanan, you know, switching back and forth in the middle of the battle, and Ezra's kind of watching him going, Man, why did I never think of that? Yeah. <laughs> that was cool too how they did it, where uh, when Ezra showed up and they were both going to fight. The Inquisitor. It's kind of thinking, okay, how is they gonna kind of pull this off? Where Ezra's not really experienced too much with his lightsaber uh, fighting abilities, but then he was just really standing back and maybe like every once in a while get in there to try to do a blow, give a blow to the Inquisitor, but he blocked and then the Inquisitor took him out real quick. So they didn't do anything too far fetched where Ezra was like standing toe to toe with the Inquisitor or as good as Kanan was. They handled that really good, and then man, Kanan just went all out on the Inquisitor once he knocked Ezra out. That was so cool. That's another yeah. thing I kind of want to stress about the season finale, too. I mean, what we're going to remember most is, of course, Ahsoka and Vader. But if they weren't in this, this would still would have been a really cool season finale based on oh, absolutely. Kanan and the Inquisitor in that fight. So, yeah, I mean, just having Ahsoka and Vader was just like icing on the cake already. <laughs> yeah, but, um, man, I mean, when, you know, when Kanan thinks that Ezra's been killed and then, uh, you know, takes up the two lightsabers and just kind of goes to town on him. It was really cool to see um, just sort of the way that they handled that. And it feels like with, you know, just how much focus there's been in the past several years on the prequels and on uh, the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, just the, the sort of, I guess, the easy thing to do would have been to have Kanan act exactly like Anakin would have acted and, you know, get angry and pick up his lightsaber and sort of strike back in anger. Um, and it's almost like Kanan does that a little bit because he certainly is fighting with, with more ferocity and you can tell he is kind of trying to avenge Ezra, but then, um, you know, when the Inquisitor says, uh, you know, oh, you have no one else to die for, or Kanan, like Kanan says, oh, that was a mistake. And he's like, why? Cause you have no one else to die for. And he's like, no, cause I have nothing left to fear. Um, and it's like, he sort of is, you know, he's just sort of giving himself over to the force. Like he, he lets go of that pretty quickly in that, uh, you know, he's like, man, I failed 
as a teacher and failed to, to protect this kid, but I was afraid of, of failing and, uh, you know, afraid of not being able to protect him. And now that he's gone, like, at least that's something I don't have to worry about now. And I can just fully focus on this. And like, it's just me and the inquisitor and, you know, nothing else that I need to worry about right now. And so you see him really just sort of take that to the next level. Um, and so it it was kind of, it was interesting and it was a, a different way of looking at it because, um, like I said, there was still like a little bit of that Anakin, you know, intensity and ferocity there, but at the same time, you really got the sense that it came more from, um, you know, from his, his calmness, I guess, and from the force rather than him just, you know, being overly emotional and, uh, and anger and, you know, tapping into the dark side kind of. Yeah, it was cool too, because, um, how he took out the Inquisitor, where um, you would, it seems like the Inquisitor was the better like lightsaber uh, wielder and just a better swordsman than Kanan was. But I've heard uh, Michael Cohen on the, Rebel, on the Rebels podcast mention this too, which I agree with, where the Inquisitor is a better like uh, swordsman, but Ezra and uh, Kanan are probably more in two with the Force and more powerful than he, the Inquisitor would be in the Force. I think that was on display here too when Kanan pretty much busted his lightsaber because that's all the inquisitor was relying on just the fast spinning movement of that saber and then you see kanan just get in tune with the force and just i mean it had that slow motion effect which i know a lot of people were too uh, uh thrilled with it didn't look right but it came across where he was just showing it how like kanan was seeing it where it was just slow for him and he was able just to just break over his lightsabers and just take down the inquisitor and just pretty much take out his only real weapon he had against Kanan, which was his lightsaber. So I thought that went into effect real good. And and I guess we could talk about now the way the Inquisitor went out. I mean, I can't say I was too surprised he was the one who fell in the episode as they were trying to advertise the finale, who will fall. But um, the way he did it, I wasn't expecting it because I always thought when we knew Vader was coming into the season finale and that someone was more than likely going to die. I mean, I've heard people speculate, oh, it might be Kanan or maybe one of the crews of the ghost but i think it was i always thought it was gonna be the inquisitor but i thought it was gonna be because he failed to kill kanan or get any information about a rebellion and then once he saw vader vader would take him out saying you know the usual stuff you failed me for the last time but i mean the way he went out was totally unexpected in the line he said there were Mm -hmm. far greater things worse than death i mean saying that he would just rather die right there now than just face the wrath of vader i just speaks volume to how much <laughs> fear vader instills into someone like the inquisitor so i mean there's people saying that well we didn't see a body and we all know what happened with darth maul but i've heard david filoni saying some interviews too that as of right now anyway he's dead and he's not going to be coming back but yeah the way he went out was kind of surprising yeah and i've i've mentioned that in a couple of you know articles that i commented on and stuff like that where people said um you know oh we didn't see a body does that mean that you know he's going to come back and i was like well the thing you have to also keep in mind is that this is on disney xd it's rated you know tv y7 as opposed to you know the tv pg rating that clone wars had and it's aimed at a slightly younger audience so when bad guys get killed off i would expect a little bit more of them falling into explosions rather than oh i don't know getting decapitated like pre vizsla or you know getting <laughs> impaled or, or anything like that so um and yeah i mean darth maul fell into a shaft and we saw him come back but the inquisitor fell into a shaft with a, a big exploding inferno of a ship engine at the bottom of it and then the ship exploded so um yeah i'm i'm sure he's not coming back and another cool um, moment too before we got to ahsoka invader i mean how awesome was it to see like our 
what could be the first like space battle between the rebellion and the empire seeing those blockade runners come out of hyperspace and just start blasting those tie fighters and just seeing a group of those ships was just really cool i just really loved that moment it was awesome oh yeah i mean even just as brief a skirmish as that was yeah um now i will say like one of the i mean backing up to the to the lightsaber duel i kind of wish they also hadn't done the whole you know who will fall thing um in the the promotion for the season finale because again as soon as they said that um for me the only logical choice was the inquisitor um i mean i think we found out that vader was coming in before they started doing that and so just knowing that vader was going to be in there i didn't necessarily think oh he's going to show up and kill the inquisitor for failing um but as soon as they said you know somebody's going to die in the finale i was like I guess I thought maybe sort of the the dark horse candidate was Ezra, but I really didn't think they would they would kill off you know the the young hero that quickly. But I was like, you know, if they were going to do something different and be you know edgy with it, like maybe that's what they would do. You know, maybe uh, you know Ezra would kind of sacrifice himself to sort of. Uh, I don't know, there would be some sort of part of the the rebels' first victory or something like that. And, and you know, also, they were kind yeah. of actually trying to, I think make you believe that because if you watch the promos where you would see yeah. Ezra falling and then you'd see Kanan with his lightsaber so I think they were trying to throw you off with yeah the- and that, that was also part of what made me think that I was like well there's some yeah. stuff in the trailer that looks like it might be Ezra but I don't think that's what they're gonna do but maybe they would you know if they're trying to you know do something different with it but um but yeah, really, I was like, if I was gonna have to, if I was gonna put money on it, I would have put a lot of money on it being the Inquisitor. So, um, you know, I, I sort of wish they hadn't brought that up too. But again, still seeing the way it happened in the episode, and then yeah, you're right, like the way that um, it wasn't Kanan who killed him, but he just he says that you know there are things that are far more frightening than death, and just lets go. I was like, oh man, like that's pretty scary. And I was thinking of like, not just what Vader would do to him. I was thinking more Palpatine. Like, let's be honest. He's the scarier of the two. Um, yeah. But I don't know if he'd be up to Palpatine's level as far as like Palpatine is like going down to take care of him. I think it'd be more Vader. I mean, who knows if he's even met Palpatine. True. But I was just thinking like of things that are far more frightening than death. Like you could, you could fall into an explosion and, get it over with you know quick and painless or you could have vader you know just choke you out which takes a little bit longer and is more painful but i'm like you don't even know what palpatine would do to you he could probably like turn your mind inside out or something um you know it's kind of one of those things where like if you screw up and vader walks in the room you immediately know like oh crap i'm in trouble but if you screw up and palpatine walks in the room I, I don't know. For me, like I would be more on edge and more like uneasy because it's this frail old man and he looks like he can't really do anything to you. But at the same time, like you just know this guy looks like bad news. And so yeah. I'd be like, what's about to happen? Like, it's not this big imposing figure who looks like he's just going to crush me, but I get this bad feeling that this guy's about to do something bad to me. And then, you know, he would like fling you across the room or electrocute you with force lightning or something like that. So yeah, but either way, I mean, the inquisitor knows there are more powerful force users out there than him and that they can do some bad stuff to him. So yeah, um, I even said too, like you have no idea what you've unleashed here today, knowing that <laughs> yeah, Vader is going to be getting involved. 
uh, once he goes down. But I have to say, too, another great scene was uh, when the Inquisitor was interrogating Kanan and he brings up Order 66 and gave us a little hint of what happened about Kanan uh, about, uh, running away and then just kind of using that to try to break him. And it just kind of got me more excited for the last Padawan comic to come out because we're going to be seeing all that in great detail. But I thought it was just a great little scene there between Kanan and the Inquisitor just showing the, what the Inquisitor knows about him and his knowledge of the Jedi and what happened in Order 66. It was just cool to hear Order 66 in the series, I have to say. But yeah. I thought that was another great moment that then set up the awesome lightsaber battle afterwards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, like you said, that's something that you know I'm excited to see more of explored in the comic series. And of course, it's one of those things where um, you know, the Inquisitor kind of twisted against him a little bit because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it logically, if, you know, Kanan is like a 14-year-old Padawan or whatever, um, his master is like an experienced Jedi master who was on the Jedi Council at one point, and then, you know, an army of clone troopers and, uh, you know, one future Darth Vader come marching into the Jedi Temple and start killing everybody, and she tells you to run, and then the clone troopers start gunning her down. Like, what's he supposed to do? defend her from the whole clone army single-handedly like as a kid you know who's probably even younger than Ezra is right now like there's nothing he could do there um and so you know it's you know she she sacrificed herself for him but it was like either she was gonna die and Kanan was gonna live or they were both gonna die you know Kanan is not like the chosen one here he wasn't gonna step in and save her and turn the tide of the whole thing and so there really was nothing he could do there but still I mean you know if you're you know I guess he could have a little bit of that you know survivor's guilt like if you watch someone you know die and there's nothing you can do about it and you just had to walk away and you know you're the one that lives um you know I can see how you'd be like man I wish there was something I could have done differently and of course the Inquisitor you know getting in his head with all that kind of stuff so um, and yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, cool and interesting and very cool to see how Kanan sort of flipped that around later. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm not afraid anymore and I'm, you know, I'm not going to worry about that guilt and that fear in the past and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to focus on the here and now and, uh, kick your butt. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. But then, yeah, going back to the Ahsoka reveal, I mean, like you said, even though, we all kind of speculated and we've heard the rumor reports that it was her. It didn't really lessen the impact at all of, of seeing her show up for the first time and seeing her as an adult now, as an adult to Gruda. And I will say if I had one, it's a minor complaint, just to her reveal where she just shows her like walking down the stairs and she's already talking. I was kind of hoping it'd be like more, something more, uh, like a grand reveal where maybe she's like at the cockpit and she's still hooded. She turns around in the chair and then like takes the, her hood off and then it reveals her that it's a silk and all that. But, it's a small little gripe, but I just felt her just walking down the stairs was, I don't know, not as grand as maybe her entrance could have been. But I have to say, seeing her and then getting to see Vader immediately after, man, it's just really cool knowing the history with those two. And just, boy, it makes you can't wait for the future of this series, knowing that they're going to be involved with it. It's just so, so exciting. I mean, I, uh, we speculated already on past episodes what the hopefully eventual confrontation those two will have is going to lead to but we got our first taste of it here just knowing that they're both getting involved in like the same conflict in the galaxy right now but it's just awesome man <laughs> just seeing her in that series was just so cool so and just hearing the seeing the fan reaction that it got when she did get revealed and everyone saw the episode man total total opposite of what happened in 2008 in the Clone Wars exactly movie. yeah it's just so cool to see how she's grown as a character and then this becomes such a fan favorite too it was just awesome 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and you know, going back to what you said about uh, you know her her reveal and her entrance and everything. Um, if they had shown her like in the cockpit, still hooded, and then shown her take the hood off, then they would have had to figure out a way to explain how her Togruta head with the horns and everything fits <laughs> under a hood in the first place. I mean, that that never really was supposed to look like Ahsoka wearing a hood. That was more just sort of like an ambiguous figure to kind of try to throw you off the track a little bit. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty good. Especially, maybe it's just because... I already, you know, we, we had our, our strong suspicions and kind of already knew who it was anyways. But um, I will say that, uh, you know, seeing my sister's reaction when she saw it for the first time and didn't know it was coming and she just like absolutely freaked out. And <laughs> like awesome. you said, seeing everybody, you know, the reaction of so many other people on you know social media and stuff. I mean, some people, I, I've read comments from some people who said they managed to, you know, totally avoid all the spoilers and stuff and had no idea that it was going to be hurt. And they were like crying tears of joy. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, man, I didn't know people liked her that much, but, um, you know, it certainly is, uh, like you said, it's great to see where the character is at now and how, uh, people have you know embraced her so much since, uh, you know, the early days back in the Clone Wars movie when she was, uh, you know, bratty little teenager calling Anakin Skywalker sky guy, which yeah, got under my say, skin, but, you know. Yeah, I see people say, oh, she's the worst thing since Jar Jar Binks and all that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think she was that bad, but, um, I mean, she was, like, a character that I kind of liked who, like, had her good moments, but also had her annoying moments, and I was like, eh, I don't know, she's, she's got some growing to do, and then she definitely did do some growing and, you know, was turned into a, a great character by the end of The Clone Wars, and then, you know, of course, it's going to be great to see her again on Rebels, so, um Man, certainly some big game-changing things going on here. I mean, the other thing I love about this is this really feels like it's sort of shaking things up and, like, season two is yeah. going to feel – I don't want to say, like, a different show altogether, but just a, a, the, the scope of it has yeah. definitely expanded. I mean, even That's just totally some right. of the references uh, that they mention in – these past couple episodes, they talk about, you know, when Ezra sent out that message through the, the comm tower that they hijacked and how a lot of people heard that and how it's, you know, inspired hope and everything. And then of course, you know, them killing the Inquisitor and bringing in Vader and bringing in Ahsoka and the fact that they've, you know, they've met up with, uh, with Bail Organa and the other rebels now. And, um, they talked about how for so long these cells were kind of in contact, but they were never supposed to meet in person. And it was all secret and hush hush and, you know, biding their time. And now they're finally starting to come together. And it's, you know, I mean, Ahsoka's first line is like, well, the protocol has changed and, um, you know, they're going to be doing things differently from now on. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I think we're going to see them go to more planets in season two and not just stay on Lothal. We're going to see more different rebel cells and factions and stuff. Um, I mean, in the uh, the Rebels Recon video for this episode, at the end of those videos, they usually show, uh, you know, a little preview clip from the next episode. But obviously, since this is the season finale, they didn't have a preview clip, but they did show some concept art for season two. And uh, they show like some A-wings and, uh, you know, some character designs for like a, a group of Rebel pilots or something like that. So um, it definitely seems like this thing is going to be 
getting bigger and better and just in- expanding to incorporate more elements of you know, the Rebel Alliance and other things that we know about Star Wars from this time period uh, you know, in the next season. So it uh, should be super exciting. I cannot wait to see the season two premiere at uh, Celebration. Um, so, man, just so much good stuff. Yeah, I'm calling it now. I mean, it's not that big of a leap because I think everyone's going to agree that season two is going to be so much better than season one. <laughs> just how this episode ended and what everyone said on the Rebels Recon just was everything I was hoping to hear. It got me so excited for it. I mean, like you said, we got the concept art. We're seeing A-wings. We're seeing character designs for uh, Rebel pilots that we're familiar with. And then just hearing like Pablo Hidalgo and the cast members say that um, – we're going to go into more like of the backstory of our characters that we really didn't get a chance to the first season, which is going to be great. And then um, Taylor Gray, who voices Ezra, he said something interesting too, which got me thinking of another character we may see show up. He goes like, there's a big bounty on their heads or like, Oh a big yeah. So it's like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, please I'm like, let there be Boba Fett. Yes. <laughs> and that, hearing Freddie Prince Jr. Say, Oh, you're not going to believe like some of the like, characters are going to show up and like some of the guest stars we're going to have and then how he says like if anyone's worried about them screwing up vader do not worry like what they're doing with him is awesome like you're not going to be disappointed so put all that stuff together and then with how the season one finale ended just like you said just it seems like we're going to be getting more of that like classic rebel versus uh, empire type battles of course it's still going to focus on the crew of the ghosts and dave filoni's even said in some interviews that it's not like Ahsoka is going to be like become a full time member on the go. She still like has uh, to fill her role as kind of like a bigger figure in the rebellion with like Bail Organa. But um, just that knowing there's a bigger like group of rebels now, not just separate cells, should make for some cool battles. Which another thing I'm hoping for, which means if the Empire is fighting more than just a crew of the ghosts and there's some expendable rebel soldiers, maybe we can see some stormtroopers hit some targets. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, besides that, just have this whole bigger conflict is going to be awesome. So, man, like you said, Celebration Anaheim, thank goodness we're seeing the season two premiere there because the wait's not going to be as bad as for whenever the season second season officially begins. So, man, yeah, yeah it's going to be amazing to see that season premiere, which we've already heard reports too that Ahsoka Invader will still be a part of. So, man, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, and I think something else that was interesting that Freddie Prince Jr. said too was that um, I think he said something like season two starts off exactly like you hope it would or exactly like you're yeah. expecting it to or something, which makes me think like, you know, I, I think everybody's expecting, um, you know, this big build up to like Vader and Ahsoka's first confrontation. And of course, a lot of people are expecting too that, um, you know, when they meet and they fight that Ahsoka is not going to walk away from that because we know she can't kill Vader and, uh, you know, Vader's probably not just going to let her go. Um, and she's not in the movies. And so, you know, we don't know how long her story is going to keep continuing on, but I'm like, maybe that means that those two will meet for the first time in the season finale and then, or in the, the season two premiere and then kind of go their separate ways. Um, you know, I mean, maybe they just happen to, to pass by and, you know, don't actually fight or, you know, they see each other from a distance or something like that. Or maybe they do fight and Ahsoka gets away and then, you know, it's just sort of a thing where, you know, the rest of the season, they're sort of biding their time and building up, building back up to like their next big confrontation or something like that. But, um, or, I mean, maybe it's, uh, Kanan and Ezra confronting Vader for the first time and they just totally get their butts kicked and, uh, you know, barely make it out alive and they have to spend the rest of the season trying to figure out like, okay, you know, how, how are we going to beat this guy? 
Um, or they, they spend the rest of the season trying to avoid Vader rather than, uh, you know, the, all the continual clashes with the Inquisitor that mm-hmm. they had this season. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I heard that and I was like, you know, the, like, is, is there a certain way that we're expecting the season to, uh, to start off? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. See, I have a feeling the eventual Vader Ahsoka clash or like confrontation i think they're probably going to state that for either season finale for season two i don't think we're going to get like them meeting each other again in the season two premiere but uh, even though they'll probably be in it a lot more but i don't think they're actually going to meet i think they're going to save that for like a big finale episode or something yeah i mean i don't know we'll see like i said i wasn't expecting that at first but then when he just the way that he said like um, you know, it, it happens exactly the way you're expecting it to. I'm like, well, what's like a big thing that everybody wants to see in the season yeah. two premiere? Well, now that we have Vader and Ahsoka, everybody wants to know what's going to happen when those two meet. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be surprised if that happens, but I will not be complaining. That's for sure. Yeah, that's I, cool I think thing. it's I think it's either going to be Ahsoka and Vader meeting for the first time, or it's just going to be the main characters of the Ghost meeting. You know, running having their first run in with Vader. Yeah, that's true. And that was the cool thing about, too, in the Rebels Recon videos where uh, Dave Filoni was talking about Ahsoka and how her lightsabers and how her blades are just plain white, kind of showing she's not affiliated with the Jedi or the Sith, which I thought was a pretty cool concept to go and use for her character going forward now as she's like part of the rebellion. So, And seeing white, white lightsabers on screen should be pretty cool, too. So I just like that aspect of her kind of like dissing herself from the Jedi Order. And it makes me think if it's mainly because she left and she was already doing that or because the Jedi Order was wiped out and she doesn't want to be hunted down as a Jedi. So I wonder if that was a decision she made like early on before Order 66 or afterwards. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's maybe a little bit of both. Um, I mean, I'm sure sort of her personal history and her feelings toward the Jedi Order and everything have to sort of factor into that somehow. Um, Because also... I mean, even if, you know, she's using white lightsabers because, I don't know, maybe the colored lightsabers are only for the Jedi or something. But, I mean, even if the Imperials happen to spot her, um, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, she's got white lightsabers. She's not a Jedi. It's all good. Like, people don't know the difference, Um, you know, especially to sort of the the average everyday citizens of the galaxy. Like, they even sort of went out of their way to illustrate that in the Clone Wars when uh, Darth Maul and Savage Opress like have their run in with uh, Hondo's pirates. Um, and I, I think, you know, Maul ignites his red lightsaber and one of them is like, what kind of Jedi are you or something? And he's like, we are not Jedi, we're Sith. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah. it's like, you know, because a lot of people have never, uh, you know, seen a Jedi. They've never heard of the Sith. You know, some of them have never even heard of the Jedi, but it's like, if you've, heard of the Jedi and you see somebody running around with a lightsaber, you just probably assume that's a Jedi. And if it's a white lightsaber or a red lightsaber, you're like, they're, they're athletic. They're doing magic stuff and moving objects without touching them. And they've got a laser sword. They must be a Jedi. So, um, yeah, I I don't think having white lightsabers is going to sort of help Ahsoka hide her identity at all. Um, I think she will also probably be, uh, you know, just sort of like Kanan, you know, careful about when and where she reveals that and, you know, to which people and that sort of thing. Um, she's not going to just like run around with her lightsabers out all the time like she would have during the Clone Wars. But, um, yeah, it, it should certainly be interesting to see. 
Um, I mean, I know they've said that she's going to sort of serve as kind of a mentor figure to Kanan and Ezra because she's, you know, older and more experienced and uh, had more Jedi training than either of them did. But she also never became a fully fledged Jedi Knight. So um, you're going to have sort of this trio of Jedi characters, all with, you know, sort of different backgrounds, different levels of experience and training and force talents and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, not a single one of the three ever really having officially obtained the title of Jedi. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that should be a really interesting dynamic going forward. Yeah. I just hope when we get that interaction with Ezra and Ahsoka, Ezra can ask her, so who was your master? What was he like? And then we could maybe get a clue as what Ahsoka knows about what happened to Anakin. If she knows he's Vader or not, if she thinks he just fell in the Jedi purge. So hopefully that's something that we'll get. That's something maybe we can get in the season two premiere where, they're not actually seeing each other as Sogan Invader, but we can get a little insight into what she knows about what happened with Anakin. So stuff like that should be really cool. And if, if I can help for one more thing in season two, hopefully where kind of Ahsoka used her uh, base of operations as Fulcrum, if whether it was on a ship or something, maybe she can go and we see her pilot and it's just an old kind of Captain Rex sitting there <laughs> involved with it. That would be awesome. That he's the last character who needs to get involved in this series, and I'd be extremely, extremely happy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also am kind of curious to see if, uh, you know, if Emperor Palpatine still has Darth Maul locked away somewhere. That's good, um, too. Yeah. Although, except... Well, he's not locked away with Yeah, Alpha, exactly. But he's still out there. But, yeah, so we don't know what's up with that. Um but, I mean, we know Hondo's going to be in this show at some point because Jim Cummings has confirmed that. Um, I would love to find out what happened to Cad Bane. But uh, certainly seeing Rex again, um, or at least maybe having Ahsoka mention him or something. Mm, yeah. um, I don't know. Because, I mean, I certainly would like to find out what happened to Rex. But, I mean, maybe he's not around anymore. Maybe he, you know, died before the end of the Clone Wars or something. But, um, I don't know. I, I want to see some answers to that. I think we will at least see some clone troopers at some point because Dave Filoni said like earlier on, um, I think before the series even premiered, they said that uh, some of the older clones who had sort of been cycled out of, um, you know, being like the, the main soldiers and everything that they were now sort of being used as like teachers and uh, drill sergeants and everything to sort of train the the newer recruits. Um, and we never saw any of that this season. So hopefully we'll uh, get into that a little bit more next season as well. Yeah, hopefully that's where they sent Zer uh, Leonis uh, to when that he was like being getting trained by some older clone trooper officer instead of just the basic, I guess, cadet training on those. <laughs> That'd be something cool. Yeah. Uh, so much to look forward to next season, man. So <laughs> awesome. much. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to get the A-Wings, but then it's like, when do the X-Wings yeah, come Yeah, you know along? they're coming. <laughs> it was yeah. like our first step. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering if we were maybe going to see that in the season finale because they showed like in, even in the previews, they showed like those blockade runners. But, um, I was like, Oh, maybe they just did like some clever editing. And so they showed us that, but they, you know, they cut it before you see the X wing fly into the frame. Uh And so maybe there's going to be more to the episode that they're not showing in the previews here. But, um, no, it was just those cruisers in the finale. But at the same time, it's like, now that we know, uh, you know, that we're, we're going to see start seeing more rebel ships and stuff. It's like, okay, only a matter of time before we start seeing our favorite ones. Yeah, maybe that's a season, big season three thing, <laughs> the reveal of X-Wings. Yeah, or maybe that'll be the season two finale. Yeah. 
Vader and Ahsoka confront each other, and we get to see X-Wings. That's how you top the, the season one finale. <laughs> yeah, or Ahsoka, like, flies an X-Wing in a space battle or something, or, you know, it, maybe, you know, an aerial battle over Lothal or something, and then, like, jumps out of the X-Wing to go, you know, confront Vader or something like that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so much to look forward to. So much. So <laughs> much. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is awesome to see um, sort of the just the way people have started to embrace this show as well. I mean, it's, it's almost the same way that uh, Clone Wars was where there were some, I don't want to say haters, but a lot more critics of the show in its first season mm-hmm. yeah. uh, than there were by the end. And Rebels is, it seems like almost even grown on people a little bit more quickly than Clone Wars did because just seeing the reaction to it, um, like comparing the, the beginning of the season to the end of the season uh, seems a lot more positive now. Um, also, I'm really glad that Ezra's got that lightsaber now that can shoot those stun blasts rather than having to launch him from his little laser slingshot thing. Cause that (laughs) thing was just kind of dumb, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, developing really well. And I think they're they're definitely off to a good start and, uh, just can't wait to see what they continue to do from here. Same here. Yeah. Just like Clone Wars where, you know, each season progress as that series went along and, Rebels, even through this season, I mean, the season finale episode was by far the best one of the season. And, you know, it's just going to get better as episodes go along and the seasons go along, just like Clone Wars. So, yeah, it's going to go down as a great series when it's all said and done because they're already showing it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, And, I mean, if you guys are interested in more of this stuff, you want to read more, uh, you know, more Star Wars Rebels stuff, Dave Filoni did this big three-part interview on StarWars.com. Um, around the time of the finale, um, talking about you know, a lot of the same stuff we just talked about with uh, you know, Ahsoka and Vader and handling that and what's to come in season two and all this kind of stuff. Um, so you can check that out. There's a lot of cool stuff there. They also revealed um, the new, they've got new action figures made for Vader and Ahsoka already. Although Ahsoka's lightsabers are green, so yeah. <laughs> Hasbro didn't get the memo in time that she's going to have white lightsabers. But um Pretty cool looking figures, although I still wish they'd make them more poseable and have, you know, joints and stuff rather than just like, hey, look, I can swing my arms in a circle. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, pretty cool looking figures there. Um, They've also announced that Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is Freddie Prince Jr.'s wife and, uh, you know, known for playing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, she's going to be in Rebels Season 2. We don't know know, what role yet or anything like that, but... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be, like we said, more new characters, more new planets and ships and all that kind of stuff. So of course, you know, cool to see, uh, you know, some more new, uh, known actors and voice actors and stuff like that coming in to voice those characters as well. Yeah. I've heard a lot of speculation from fans that, Oh, maybe she might be playing Leia in an upcoming episode this season, which, um, uh, I could see happening where they maybe want to get kind of a big name, like Sarah Michelle Gellar to play a big character like Princess Leia. But I still think that if they're going to use Leia, they just might use, uh, Catherine Tabor again, who's not only voiced Padme in the Clone Wars, but voiced Princess Leia in a lot of games. So I think if she yeah. was going to be in, I think she'd probably be their go-to actress to play that role. That would probably be my guess. And I heard a rumor somewhere and I forget where this was, um, but I, I read an article somewhere where they were, uh, you know, had a rumor that her character was going to be sort of based on Mara Jade, 
but yeah i've heard um, that too yeah yeah gonna be you know some new character and i think her last name is even zon like they named her after timothy zon who created the mara jade character so it'd basically be almost the same character but just with a different name and you know doing different stuff for, <laughs> See, i just for think Rebels. that's still wishful thinking from mara jade fans who wanted her to be in canon <laughs> it could that. be yeah i mean i don't uh again i don't remember where i read that so i don't know how legitimate that source is but Another possibility that I've heard too, and see, I'm blanking on her name, but that um, Imperial officer from A New Dawn, who was uh, like the captain of the Star Destroyer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Oh, wasn't it Sloan something? It might. That sounds right. But yeah, yeah not 100%. But yeah, she captain could see a Sloan character, I mean, like I, that. Uh, that maybe they could bring in since she's already had like uh, a confrontation with uh, Kanan and Hera. So that could be an interesting way to go. Yeah, possibly. Um, although, I mean, that was like five years previous, so... You know, she could have moved we, up in the ranks. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what these characters have been up to in that time. I'm still kind of hoping, too, we get some uh, characters from A New Dawn showing up in, uh, I don't know, if it's season two or later on in seasons, but some characters hopefully show up or maybe mention, I think, would just be a just more of a cool way to tie in some of the novels now that they're all in canon with the series and movies and stuff, so... I think that'd be cool if like that is she's one of the characters who gets brought into the series. Yeah, possibly. Um, I mean, especially now that they're, you know, they've said they're going to explore more of the characters backstories in season two, which I'm really looking forward to because I mean, even in the, some of the promotional buildup for the show before it even first aired, um, they kind of hinted at some of the backstories for like Zeb and Sabine and uh, you know, characters like that. Um, and then we really got just some brief mentions of stuff in, this season, but we didn't really get sort of, you know, fleshed out backstories for what happened to make those characters leave their home yeah. worlds and to, to hate the empire so much that they would join this secretive little band to, um, you know, fight back against them and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, really excited to see more of that. Um, and also too, I mean, uh, the rebels recon before the season finale, we did get confirmation that, uh, Harrison Dula is champ Syndulla's daughter now. Yeah. So, which hopefully gets more insight into that would be cool as yeah. far as if he's still alive or what kind of causes it to follow in his footsteps as being kind of like a rebel leader and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're, you know, exploring more of like Kanan and Hera's backstories, maybe that'll give them a chance to reference some characters from a new dawn. Also, I think in the novel, um, Lords of the Sith that's coming up with mm. Vader and Palpatine, I think Sham Syndulla is in that book. Yeah. Um, so, maybe they'll kill him in that book. And that's why Hera ends up hating the empire so much. So maybe we're going to find out more about her backstory in that novel. Um, in fact, I mean, now that we know she's related to Shams and Dula, I would be very surprised if we don't find out a, at least a little bit of, uh, you know, something in that book that sort of relates to her character in rebels. Yeah, totally. I think out of all of them, I kind of want to find out more about Sabine's backstory because we got a little hints of what she told him that she was already part of like, the Imperial Academy on Mandalore and that what happened there was a nightmare. So I'm real curious to see like the state of Mandalore and the Imperial presence there. So hopefully she's the one that gets uh, explored her, or her past anyway, that gets explored one of the first ones. Yeah. And like you said, I'm, I'm almost more excited to find out what's going on on Mandalore and sort of how that is in relation mm. to, you know, where we saw it at the end of the Clone Wars more so than just, Sabine's backstory, but I, you know, I am interested to see like where her character is coming from as well. So, um, that should be pretty cool. Maybe they'll have an episode where they go back to Mandalore at some point. 
Yeah, because we know they're going to be planet hopping a lot more than they did this season. So yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that is uh, you know was some really great stuff from that Rebels finale. Some really great stuff, I'm sure, to come in season two. Um, and just one more thing to add to the list of stuff that we are super excited about. I mean, man, episode seven, Battlefront, Rebels, more, you know, Rogue One and more Star Wars movies and stuff after that. There's just the the good Star Wars stuff does not stop coming. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, but yeah, in addition to the Star Wars Rebels season two premiere at Celebration next month, we've also got... Um, I mean, tons more stuff to look forward to at that convention. We just got uh, recently announcements of a whole lot more guests that are going to be there, um, including Mark Hamill, Ian McDermott, uh, Peter Mayhew, um, more that I don't even uh, – Billy D. Williams, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember you know, who all the, the recent ones are because I know, um, you know some of the first ones were like Carrie Fisher and uh, – I don't know, some other people, but yeah, I mean, most of the, the sort of convention regulars, you know, the, the Star Wars actors that make a lot of convention appearances and stuff, um, that you might expect to be there. A lot of them are going to be there. No word yet on if Harrison Ford is going to be there or not, but, uh, I mean, we do know that the, the panel that they're kicking off the convention with on Thursday with JJ Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy, they've announced that uh, they're going to be joined by some special guests, um, which, you know, Tim, I know we were talking about this and speculating on who those special guests might be. And basically I'm guessing that it's either going to be some of the cast of the force awakens, you know, maybe John Boyega, Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac or Adam driver, uh, you know, maybe two or three of those guys, um, maybe they're just for that first day, uh, to, to be at this panel and maybe not staying there to like sign autographs for the whole convention and all that. Or, I, I think it's either going to be some of those guys or it's going to be uh, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford uh, joining them on the, on stage for this panel. And, uh, you know, of course, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are going to be there for the whole weekend, but maybe Harrison Ford will show up just for that day or just for that morning or something just to make a special appearance there. Yeah, I'm kind of guessing it's either going to be the new big three, which, like I said, Oscar Isaac, Daisy Ridley and John Boyega or the old big three. But I mean, the ultimate would be have all six of them there, <laughs> like kind of showing, you know, how you think the movie's going to be where the old generation batching the torch down to the new generation type of thing. I mean, it'd be cool to have all six of them there on stage with Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams. So that's what I'm hoping for. But I think it's probably going to be one or the other. And if I think it's going to be, we well, see since Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are there, I mean, it would make sense for them to be at that panel too. But when it says special guests, I'm kind of guessing it's probably more going to be the new castle. It's probably, yeah, see, it's kind of hard to say, but I'm guessing more, if anything, just some of the new cast members like John Boyega or Daisy Ridley. I mean, who knows how many it's going to be, but uh, when I see the word special guest, the first thing I thought of was uh, probably some new cast members, which kind of a little disappointing because it would have been cool to have like some of the new cast members be listed as some of the regular guests for celebration and not maybe just appearing at that one panel but maybe they're just going to say that for after the release of the force awakens and then any other celebration afterwards or down the line is going to have more force awakens cast members showing up so should be interesting i mean tons of stuff to look forward to of that panel <laughs> most of all seeing new force awakens footage and then just getting some of the cast members on stage there would be awesome too so yeah 
man, we, we know we've talked about this before, but what a great way to kick off celebration. I mean, it's going to be hard to top that, but it's going to kick it off with a bang, that's for sure. Yeah. Of course, as we're thinking about it now, I'm like, well, if they're going to have some of the new cast members there and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are going to be there for the convention anyways, then why not have Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher on stage with the new cast members? Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have the new cast members and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher there, you got to try to get Harrison Ford in on that too. So, Yeah, I just wondered too if they tried and they're planning this, but what if his plane crash had something to maybe he's going to derail his him appearing there just to kind of get healthy again? I mean... We know his uh, injuries sustained, and remember says they were from like his conditions were varied and went to like moderate and fair, like we talked about previously. But we just don't know exactly how long the healing process is going to be to re- fully recover from this, and if one month's time will be enough for him to go there. So I don't know. I just wonder if that plane crash threw a wrench in the idea to have him be a surprise guest for that panel. I don't know. I think with the speed that he was able to recover from a broken leg, where some people were speculating it might set the production back six months, and you know, six weeks later, he was like, hey, guys, I'm good. Let's go. Never tell me the odds. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that that would play into it too much. Um, but also, it could be one of those things where that could be one of those last-minute details that they put together. You know, If he's mm-hmm. there, if he's feeling up to it, then you know, maybe it really will be a surprise to have him show up because they might not even know if he's going to show up or not. Um, so, I would think he would want to because it's, he did do the uh, Comic-Con appearances a few times. So, And he was kind of taken back by how like greatly appreciated it was by the fans and the response he got there. So I think he's open to the idea of doing some conventions again. So Yeah. Well, has he ever – Has he, he hasn't ever done Star Wars stuff at Comic-Con, has he? No, just for uh, – uh, Cowboy versus Aliens. Yeah, yeah, it was like Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. It was the first time he was ever at Comic Con. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. But again, I mean, if there was ever a time to have Harrison Ford come to a convention, you know, as Han Solo, it's like Star it's Wars celebration yeah. right before Episode <laughs> Seven comes out. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this has to be it if he's going to go to one. Yeah, so that that is the uh, you know the the big hope there i guess the um you know the optimal outcome but um it makes you think what are they going to do first they're going to bring out the special guests and whatever actors they have there and save the force awakens footage for last to close it out are they going to show the footage first and then bring out some of the cast members to talk about it and all that stuff oh i don't know that's a very good question the best part is we only have to wait a month to find out But what if that's the footage of what kicks off the panel? Then at the end, hopefully they show it again. I mean, no matter where they show it, I hope we get to see it twice there. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. I, and that's why I think maybe they'll start the panel with – I mean, not just like we're all sitting there in a, a dark room and suddenly the the trailer comes up. But, you know, maybe they introduce J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy first and they talk about it a little bit and then – they show the trailer and then they bring out the cast to talk about it. And then at the end of the hour, they, they're like, you know, you guys want to show it one more, you want to see it one more time before you go. Um, and it goes, no, it's okay. We had enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, that's going to be so awesome. Yep. It's almost here. It's almost here. <laughs> yep. now, Soon we my still dreams will be coming exactly, out of these. <laughs> yeah. We still don't know exactly what we have to do to get into that. Cause they said, uh, you know, that they're going to release more information later about like line cues or wristbands, wristbands or passes or something like that. So, um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I, I hope it's not a thing where, um, you know, we have to like wait in line overnight or something like that because I'll be getting in sometime Wednesday evening and I'm not going to want to like go straight there and wait in line. But I don't know if we're going to have to register ahead of time or, or whatever, but hopefully they release the de- details on that pretty soon. Yeah, hopefully to get everything planned out. I mean, yeah, it's because, you know, this is going to be the thing everyone's going to want to go to. So hopefully they have it well organized. Yeah. Although the other thing, I mean, even though this is what everybody's going to want to see, I'm sure, I mean, just because of the way that, you know, conventions are, like there's always the most people there on the Saturday. There's a lot more people on Friday, but like Thursday is always, you know, kind of just getting underway. And, you know, there are some people who might have only been able to take Friday off from work and not Thursday and Friday, or there are some people who might only be able to come on the weekend. So, um, you know, Thursday is like always the least busy day at these big conventions. So, I mean, maybe they're doing this to try to promote ticket sales and get more people to come for the full weekend. But, um, I don't know, maybe they're also trying to avoid people like stampeding in line to, to try to see it. Um, yeah, I'm still curious and surprised why they chose Thursday and <laughs> to have the Force Awakens kick off the convention. I mean, was it for the reasons you said or just uh, scheduling in, uh, conflicts with Captain Kennedy and J.J. Abrams where Thursday was the only day they can be there? I mean, Yeah, that is possible cause, too. Yeah, because I would think Saturday, that's always the day the big events happen, like the George Lucas uh, made events of panels that happened that past celebrations and like the star wars rebels panels i mean the star wars clone wars panels that happened so yeah it's surprising when i saw that it was thursday but it just makes you wonder why yeah well i don't know i you know i'm sure we'll find out um and maybe when we're there and uh you know we see whatever they have to show with that panel maybe we'll be like oh so that's why they decided to show this to kick off the convention mm. and maybe it'll be some big surprise thing that you know, then is going to be referenced in other things throughout the weekend. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's whoever's in the audience gets to then later see an advanced screening of the movie or something. <laughs> there I, there I go again with more wishful thinking. to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I have thought about that with all the rumors that we've heard that, uh, you know, they wanted to push it up to a summer release date. Um of course, you know, the, the more the, or the, the closer we get to or just the further we get into the year, it's like the the more those chances dwindle. Um, yeah. And like I said, I never really expected them to do that in the first place. But it's like if they didn't do it in January or February, like if they haven't done it by now, they're really probably not going to do it. So, <laughs> uh, like I said, just more wishful thinking that stuff that's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, but eh, you never know. Always in motion is the future. Yes. <laughs> but something awesome is going to happen. We we know that for sure. It is just yeah, going to be such fact. a great time. Yeah, 100%. No doubts there. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I mean, for anyone interested, they have announced some of the autograph prices uh, for for some of the celebrities there. Um, now, the the high-end uh, Mark Hamill autograph is going to run you 125 bucks. Uh, Ian McDermott is 90, Carrie Fisher is 70, uh, Anthony Daniels is 60. Um, I'm not sure if they announced the price for Billy D. Williams yet. I thought I saw that somewhere else. Um, and I think that might have been like 60 or 70. But um, I mean, Kenny Baker is 60, and I think just about everybody else is going to run you anywhere from like 20 to $50. Um, which isn't too bad. Although, you know, the one year that I was thinking 
okay, maybe this year I'll, I'll just, you know, plunk down a, a big chunk of change and, uh, you know, pony up the, the big price to, to meet my childhood idol and get Mark Hamill's autograph. Cause I think at celebration six, it was like a hundred dollars. Um, and I could be remembering wrong, but for some reason, that's just the number that sticks out of my mind. And I was like, okay, maybe this year I'll, I'll actually like pay a hundred bucks for a Mark Hamill autograph. And then they go and raise the price to one twenty five, And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> It'll be worth it. You're not only getting Luke Skywalker's autograph, you're getting the Joker's autograph and many other great characters he's played. That is true. The trickster on the Flash. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, for, for anyone out there who watches the the new Flash series, you know, Mark Hamill played the trickster in the old show and then he's going to be uh, reprising that role in the new show and it's going to, you know, sort of tie into the old one. So, um, I don't know, that should be interesting. I mean, I've never watched the old show, but I will watch pretty much anything with Mark Hamill in it. Yeah, he was great in that role. He was so over the top, almost like his Joker in the Batman the Animated Series. But yeah, it was good. Yeah, and have you <laughs> it's seen? It's been a while uh, since I've seen that one, though. But I remember it being really funny. Have you seen Kingsman: The Secret Service? No, not yet. Oh uh, yeah, see, I love seeing him that too. Although he has a, a smaller role in that movie, um, but still, just uh, you know, it was fun. Again, I saw that with my sister, and she was like. I had seen it once by myself first, and then when I saw it with her, you know, maybe like a few seconds into his appearance, she's like, wait, is that Mark Hamill? And I'm like, uh, yep. <laughs> is he in a role where it's kind of like, you don't recognize him, or? No, it's just for for people like, you know, for, for people who aren't as, um, yeah, I guess as big of like diehard Star Wars fans as we are, where we're following all these news and rumors and stuff. And we've seen all these pictures of Mark Hamill with his new beard and everything. I forget if he has a beard in the movie or not, but you know, it's just one of those things where when you're used to seeing him as Luke Skywalker and then you see him in a movie where, you know, he's, he's older and he, I think he did have a beard in this movie. And also the first time you see him, like first he's being held hostage and he's got like tape over his face and then they take the tape off. And, um, you know, it's just, if, if you're used to seeing him as Luke Skywalker, it might take you a couple seconds to be like, Oh wait, that's the same guy. <laughs> gotcha but uh yeah no he's not all covered in like joker makeup or anything <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be something that would be something but hopefully uh you know when we're there at celebration this year hopefully you'll get to uh experience the same honor we did last time of hearing him do that joker voice and i mean he did like a whole monologue of yeah. uh, you know something he did from one of the episodes and it was just like batman's eulogy <laughs> there he is yeah yeah that's what i'm hoping for i'd love to hear that <laughs> yeah it's just, the best, most world to get them talking about luke skywalker then you hear him do his awesome joker which never disappoints yeah, man, that was just oh, so great. And I'm sure he'll be talking a lot more about Luke at this convention. I remember at Celebration 6, he was like, uh, you know, for most of his panel, he was like, yeah, you guys are all Star Wars fans. You know all about Luke and Star Wars and everything, but I want to talk about, you know, some of the other stuff I've done. Um, and, uh, yeah, but, you know, he, he went into that Joker thing. And that was just great. But, of course, now that he's coming back as Luke, I'm sure there'll be a lot more focus on that. Yeah. Let me just yell out from the audience. Will you be in it more than one scene? <laughs> <laughs> to which, of course, he's either just not going to respond or respond with, I can't respond to that. <laughs> just to throw it out there. Oh, man, that would be funny. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, there you've, you've got your autograph prices. You've got your, your celebrities and everything coming. And, I don't know, they still haven't, at least last I checked, haven't started announcing, like, panels and scheduling and all that kind of stuff, which you would think they'd get into uh, sooner than later. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, we're, we're going to be finding out all this stuff in the next month or so, and then uh, the convention will be here before we know it. So super exciting stuff there. Yep. I mean, Celebration is going to be, like I said before, the big kickoff point. So, like the major event of Star Wars hype coming up. We got this, and then it's all the way up until The Force Awakens, and Celebration is the first one to kick it off. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're almost there. We're so close. So yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That That is going to be like the hype train leaving the station. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, if we see a trailer there, then that trailer is going to premiere before Avengers Age of Ultron, and then it'll probably be in front of Ant-Man 2 and you know probably some other movies this summer, and we'll just be seeing that nonstop for the rest of the year and then when summer movie season is over then you know we'll probably start seeing the the earliest merchandising stuff come out and some of the books and all that so um yeah hopefully it all just flies by yeah i think it i mean as long of a wait as it seems i mean the stuff we have to look forward to before it comes out it's probably gonna make the time go by a lot faster than uh, we probably were expecting it to, which is cool. And then at the same time, it's one of those things where you kind of have to enjoy the ride a bit because what we're going through right now is half the fun of leading up to a new Star Wars movie, all this like promotional stuff, speculation, and just all the previews we get to see for it and just the excitement that we get the experience of wanting to see this movie is really cool. So while at the same time we want it to hurry up and get here, we should also enjoy the ride, <laughs> so to speak, as we make our way up to December. Yeah, except... You know, even once that movie comes out, we'll have plenty more rides to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> seeing as how we're getting a new Star Wars movie every year from now on out. So, but there's always something special about the first one to come out where there hasn't been one in a very long time. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, man, if you think it's enjoyable right now, I mean, like I said, just wait till we get like that first trailer and everything. Um, I mean, I get the feeling, you know, from from celebration through the rest of the year, it's just going to be a you know, fever pitch. But then. I mean, I can't even imagine how excited I'm going to be for like that last month or so before, um, you know, before the movie comes out. When we've already read, you know, Star Wars Aftermath and, you know, some of these other things that are coming out leading up to the movie and, uh, you know, seeing all the trailers. And now you're starting to see like the TV spots even. Yeah. Um, and it's just like you're, you're counting down the days. And uh, that that for me is the best part. Mm hmm. Well, yeah. Other than seeing the movie itself, obviously, but that that is definitely going to be the the part that I'm going to enjoy. When it's so close, and you can almost like just imagine yourself being in that theater seeing the movie, but yeah. like you just still got a little bit to go. But when you're that close, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, because then it, it's just going to kind of hit you all over again. Like, man, Star Wars Episode yeah. Seven is coming out. Like, whoever would have thought? And I'm going to go see it in like three weeks. Yep, <laughs> it's such a great feeling. Just so glad we're getting that feeling back over Star Wars, man. Uh, it's, ah, it's just so great to be a Star Wars fan right now, like we've said <laughs> since this started. I mean, and then the news we talked about earlier with Rogue One and all this other great stuff. Rebels coming, man. Uh, so awesome. Just so, so thankful <laughs> to be living in this time period where Star Wars is back and what looks to be better than ever. So uh, just so great. Yeah. And I know, like, at the end of every episode, we go off on these, like, mushy geek out rants yeah how excited we are about all this stuff but like how can you not get excited exactly about this? yeah <laughs> yeah this just brings out your like innermost geek fandom that you have for star wars when you just start talking about this stuff and how everything how great everything is looking too so yeah you just can't help it yeah oh man it's gonna be so great 
Um, so before we wrap up the episode, uh, one other thing we want to mention, um, of course, we are into the month of March now, and you got the March Madness college basketball stuff going on, and it is once again time for the This Is Madness 2015 Star Wars Character Tournament that they're doing over on StarWars.com. Um, so if you go check that out, I mean, they've got their bracket, they've got all the, uh, the character matchups going on. Um, you can go to, I mean, I guess if you, if you go to the, the, this is madness page on starwars.com, then there's a link you can follow over to, I guess, Wikipedia is where they're hosting like the fan competition part of it, where you fill out your bracket and try to predict the winners. And then, um, if you, uh, happen to be one of the, the people who, gets the most correct predictions or something. Um, you can win some pretty cool prizes like sideshow statues of Star Wars characters and some uh, pretty high-end like Star Wars headphones and audio gear and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, that's all pretty exciting. Uh, right now, they're into the, uh, what, the play-in matchups, yeah. I guess. So um, you've got the, let's see, I'm going to try to go, I'm going to pull up the page right now. Um so, so in the, the different bracket sections, you've got uh, Rebels, you've got um, Jedi, and then you've got uh, Empire and Separatists, and you've got Bounty Hunters. Um, and so the, the four play-in cat- characters in each category, um, for the Rebels, you've got Wedge Antilles, C-3PO, Admiral Akbar, and Sabine uh, in Jedi. Man, I don't know who picked this Jedi bracket, like... Yeah, Ahsoka Tano, Kanan Jarrus, Luke Skywalker, and Ezra Bridger all competing for one spot in the final bracket. Um, and meanwhile, they're going to be going up against Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Qui-Gon. Um, and I'm like, man, that that is tough competition right there. Yeah, it's like, um, sorry, Ezra and Kanan, but you don't have a shot in this oh, one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, Ezra and Kanan don't have a shot. In fact, at the time that we're recording this right now, let's see, if I go, oh, who should I vote for? Luke or Ahsoka? You know, I think I've already voted a couple times for Luke, so I'll, I'll throw a vote Ahsoka's way. Um, and let's right, yeah, closing the gap. Luke has forty nine percent of the vote. Ahsoka has forty four. Kanan has five. Ezra has two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm calling it. Ezra's pulling an upset. He, he's going to come back. Talk about the biggest upset ever. This is madness, man. <laughs> this would be it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, got to give props to Ahsoka. She's neck and neck with luke i mean arguably the biggest character of all in star wars so i mean it's like we're talking about before shows you how much her character has grown amongst the band so oh yeah absolutely i mean on on the heels of that rebels finale i mean i guarantee you had this contest taken place a month ago she would be trailing luke by a lot more um yeah probably she'd still have a significant chunk of the uh, of the votes i i would bet but i mean it wouldn't be 49 to 44 um, you know, she might have like 34% or something. Um, let's see in rebels. I know last I checked Sabine was running away with that category. If I vote for Sabine here, no, not oh, running away. No, it's really close now. She, yeah, she's at 34% wedge is at 32%. Um, so that one's pretty close. Hope she pulls um, it out though. I mean, I'd like to see her win, get her onto the main bracket. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Of course, she's she would then be going up against R two D two in the first round, which she's not gonna win. No. <laughs> um, same. I mean, same for the Jedi play, and they go up against Obi Wan Kenobi in the first round. And even if it's Luke, I don't think. I mean, Obi Wan did he win last year? Yeah, I believe he did beat Luke last year. Mm-hmm. 
Well, no, I mean, did he like who won the Obi-Wan whole tournament? Won the whole thing yeah. last year. So, yeah. I mean, but it beat Luke. I, I don't think Luke is going to beat the reigning champ, but um, I don't know. You never know. And then in the Empire and Separatist bracket, we've got Admiral Piet, General Veers, Newt Gunray, and Agent Callus. Um, that, <laughs> Newt Gunray is... leading everyone. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, who likes Newt Gunray? Well, he does have eleven percent more than I thought he would. Actually, I thought it'd be like two or five. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I would have guessed. But uh, yeah, I just voted for Agent Callus. He's at thirty percent. Admiral Piet is leading with thirty-three percent, and General Veers has twenty-six. Um, yeah, I actually voted for General Veers because out of all everyone here and even in the movies, he's one of like the few Imperial officers who actually completed his objective on Hoth and destroyed the Rebel base and won that battle. So I'm giving him my vote. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, plus General Veers gets to pilot an AT-AT. Yeah. And Agent Callis uh, can, you know, he, he's pretty competent in fighting with an electro staff, so he's pretty cool. Admiral Piet, what does he do? Um, he survived. That's his big thing amongst Vader. He's the only Admiral who, like, did something where he thought he was going to be killed by Vader, and he made it through two movies. Yeah, except then they've also got these little blurbs on here that says uh, Watto weighs in. And, uh, you know, Watto gives you a little <laughs> description of each of the candidates. And uh, in the umpire category, he says, Admiral Piet should really A-wing proof his windshield. <laughs> <laughs> Which he he should. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not really pulling too hard for any of those guys. Whoever wins that bracket is going up against Tarkin in the first round and, again, is not going to go anywhere. Um, and then in the Bounty Hunters category, uh, you've got IG-88 and Forlom, who are not going to win. And uh, as Watto asks, where are the other three Loms? <laughs> um, but then Cad Bane and Asajj Ventress. Um, and man, I, I love both of those characters, and it's hard to pick one. I mean, I think of Cad Bane as more... Uh, my favorite bounty hunter of the two, because even though, I mean, I love the way that they sort of shifted Ventress's storyline in Clone Wars and went sort of a different direction there, but I still don't always really think of her as a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see if we, if I throw in a vote for Ventress here. Yeah, she's leading with 44%. Cad Bane's at 34, uh, 21 for IG-88 and 2% for Forlom. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went with Ventress mainly not because of like who's a better bounty hunter, but just I think overall who's a better character throughout yeah. the course of Clone Wars. Um, that's why she got my vote. Well, well, you make good sense where Cad Bane's probably the better bounty hunter, but overall as a character, got to go with Ventress. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I, I just voted for Ventress too. Even though I like Cad Bane better as a bounty hunter, it's hard for me to vote against Asajj Ventress. Um, Poor Forlong, though. <laughs> <laughs> eh, nobody's going to miss him. Uh, he's uh, with Ezra in the 2% category. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, once the actual matchups start, I mean, you've got um, all the fan favorite characters in there, R2, Leia, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Qui-Gon, all those guys. Um, we've also got some some of the new Rebels characters in there. Uh, Hera is in the Rebels category. Um, Chewbacca, or, you know, we've got Chewbacca, Han, and Lando in the Scoundrels category, and then we've got Zeb going up against Chewbacca, uh, which, you know, poor Zeb. I love Zeb, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta go He's with gonna the... let the Wookiee win. <laughs> I gotta go with the original Wookiee over the rare hairless Wookiee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got uh, Captain Rex and Gregor from Clone Wars in there. 
Um, on the villain side, uh, you know, Tarkin, Grievous, Boba Fett, Jango, Vader, Palpatine, Darth Maul, all those guys, uh, along with, uh, you know, Previsla and Hondo from Clone Wars, uh, the Inquisitor from Rebels, um, and they went ahead and threw Bib Fortuna in there <laughs> to just get squashed by Jabba in the first round. Um, seems like, I don't know how people at Lucasfilm create these brackets or the reasoning before, but... How does Biff Fortuna get in there, but then we have to vote in for Ahsoka and Luca? Right. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping next year, once, you know, we've got episode seven is already going to be out by that point. Um, Hopefully they can make the bracket bigger to fit more characters in. I mean, right now they've only got uh, 16 characters on each side. Um, I'm like, we we could expand that to 32. Yeah, easily. Um, And sure a lot of people once the force awakens comes out and it's as good as we're all expecting it to be i'm sure a lot of those characters will be getting plenty of the majority votes just from coming off the hype of the movie yeah but i mean i it'll be interesting to see um you know if you go like ray against princess leia or finn against luke skywalker and uh you know, see, like, even if people love the new movie and love these new characters how are they going to stack up against the uh the classics yeah I hope, too, for, like, the character images for, like, Han, Luke, and Leia, again, they're using Force Awakens images. <laughs> Just to have it be more Force Awakens-oriented next year. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a, a fun little thing that's going to be going on over at StarWars.com for probably the next month or so. Um, I think they announced the winner sometime, like, at the beginning of April. Um, and then you can go over to, uh, you know, like I said, follow that link over to that Wikipedia page. Uh, to fill out your bracket, you've got till Monday if you want to try to, you know, submit a bracket and um, you know, try to win some of those prizes. So um, it's always interesting to see, you know, I, I've filled out a bracket for like the past couple of years at least. And um, then there are some matchups that are like no brainers for me. And then you see fans vote completely the opposite way. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you guys like Jabba the Hutt better than Pre Vizsla? Come on. Uh, oh, I know. It's like, how's that even possible? Oh, well. Probably because not as many people seen Clone Wars as they did Return of the Jedi, but still, yeah. we all know who the cooler character is. Yeah, sadly, I've learned to to not really uh, bet on the Clone Wars characters in those brackets. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> and it'll be the same for the Rebels. Like I said, Zeb is going to go nowhere against Chewie. But... No, it's just going to be fun to see the difference in the percentages on those types of matches. I'm like, how low are they going to be? Yeah. But we, we should start a campaign going, even though it would, like, ruin my own bracket because I, I tried to pick the more logical choices of who I think people are going to vote for. Um, like, you know, at the bottom of this uh, underworld bracket, we've got Jabba the Hutt versus Bib Fortuna. Jabba's going to win. Then Pre Vizsla versus Han – or Pre Vizsla versus Hondo. I think Hondo's going to win that. And then, you know, it'll be Hondo versus Jabba the Hutt. Let's get campaigning and get Hondo to win that. Like, come on. Hondo's an awesome character. And Jabba is yeah. a slug. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. Pretty much Java should lose to anyone he goes up against, really. Unless unless it's like Bibbertuna or Salicious Crumb, some other lower uh, alien species in Java's palace. But other than that, yeah, everyone else should pretty much beat him. Yeah. In fact, you know what? If it was Java against Salacious Crumb, I'd probably vote for Salacious Crumb because <laughs> I like that guy. He amuses me. That's a good point, too. Yeah, Java, you just but, hate. You don't want to see him win anything. Yeah. I mean, not that Jabba's a bad character, but, like, I don't think he's a character you're supposed to like. Exactly. Yeah, yeah George Lucas did a good job of creating a, a gross, disgusting, unlikable character, which is exactly what he's supposed to be. 
and yet he still wins in some of these voting matchups. <laughs> <sighs> yep. Well, anyway, there's my anti-hut rant for the episode <laughs> to close us out. Um, but then also before we go, uh, you know, sometimes we like to read some some comments and uh, mail and feedback and stuff like that from our listeners. Um, we've got a special one this time. Uh, you know, for our last couple episodes, I've been musing over this mystery of where the heck did the name Chicken Walker come from? <laughs> um, and if I just go ahead and pull up this message on Facebook here, uh, we got a reply from a listener of ours, Jeff Bocom. I ho- hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Jeff sent us a message on Facebook. Um, and he said, hey, Kyle and Tim, longtime listener ever since the beginning and fan of Star Wars ever since 1977. I just wanted to let you know where the origin of Chicken Walker came from. The term came from the Star Wars line of micro machines back in the late 90s, just when Star Wars was coming back into full speed again after the dark times. I'm surprised no one out there knew about this. They don't call them micro machines for nothing, and they seem easy to overlook. Um, I have posted a picture of the toys, and if you look right below next to Jabba's barge, you will see it listed. Um, if you have, uh, if you want, you have my permission and can post the picture. Love the enthusiasm from the both of you. Don't get this in full abundance anywhere else. Thank you all for your contribution to the Star Wars universe, and that's from Jeff. So, Jeff, thank you for uh, sending along this image and giving us that response. Um, and I thought this was so cool when he sent it along because I'm looking at these packs of micro machines and I had that pack of micro machines as a kid. <laughs> um, this one with the chicken walker and the, the B wing and the Jabba sail barge. I'm like, Oh man, that brings back memories of being like five years old. Um, and it, that's so funny because I mean, if this really is where chicken walker originated from, I'm like, that's that very well could be where I first heard the name. Um, and just, you know, started using it because that's what they called it on this packaging. But I had no idea that that was the first time that it was ever used. Um, and so I'm like, man, it's like the answer was right there under my nose the whole time, but I never would have guessed. So, uh, that, that was pretty cool. So thanks for sending that along, Jeff. I have finally solved the mystery and I can sleep easy now tonight. Yeah. I think, uh, we've made, uh, Jeff, like our resident uh, detective for the podcast. So if we ever have any more mysteries we need solved, we're going to go straight to Jeff to see if he can dig up the answers for him. Because, yeah, I never would have guessed the micro machines either because I didn't really collect too much of those ones. But during like, uh, like 96, 97, when the power of the force line was going strong again, they came out with some micro machines of like each, like the rebel ships and TIE fighters. And I collected a lot of those, but not some of those ones that were in the picture that showed the chicken walker on there. So yeah, I never would have guessed that. So <laughs> it's cool that we now can put case closed on the chicken walker mystery. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to give Jeff a, a special designation like, Darth Sherlock or something. Yeah. <laughs> if he wants to be recognized as a Sith, he might run by yeah, or, or Jedi Master Holmes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that has a nice ring to it, actually. It kind of does. Jedi Investigator. Well, Obi-Wan kind of had that for a little bit in episode two, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, well, I think Ewan McGregor in interviews uh, compared himself to Dick Tracy when he was talking about. Uh, <laughs> Obi-Wan's adventures and the being like a, a detective in that uh, movie. So he either be a Dick Tracy or Sherlock Holmes. You can have your pick. Yeah. Well, in that case, I think maybe then Jeff is our, uh, he's our Dexter Jetster. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one who knows all information. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We we have a question. We go searching on the internet and ask the listeners and go searching through the Jedi archives and can't find anything. You know, Google's like, if it's not in here, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And then Jeff is just like, oh, no, it's that other thing that I found while I was prospecting on subterranean. It's micro machines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so thanks again, Jeff. Uh, great response there. And, of course, we always love hearing from you guys. So, um, as always, you can uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can check out our website at starwarstsc.com. And uh, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, did I get all that right? You did. You yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe I just said it in a different order than I usually do because it felt weird, but yeah. that's the information. That's where you can find us. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for this episode. It's, uh, you know, of course, been fun geeking out about this stuff some more and, uh, you know, had a lot of stuff to cover. Hopefully, we'll get another episode in before we've got to do another, you know, three hour episode to jam pack everything in here again. But, of course, these these marathon sessions are always fun, and we get to uh, talk about a lot of fun, different stuff. So hope you guys have enjoyed it. Hope you're, you're still awake and still tuned in here listening to us ramble on about all this. But uh, you know, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we're glad to, to have you along for the ride as this awesome Star Wars saga continues. So uh, that's all for now. We will see you guys next time, and may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Thank you.